Mic check one, two, one, two. Sports reports is ordered in the building. You're. Yes. The one and only. Virginia bred, New Jersey repping. For some reason, still wearing the black and red, so you can't call them unloyal. I'm loyal, baby. You see it? <laughs> the one and only. It's the logic. And I promise y'all, I've been trying to work on something and I ain't throwing up gang signs, but yo, it's me. Two five. You know <laughs> I that DK Metcalf. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? I was thinking about that the other night. I did that on the hot box and I was like, oh snap, I ain't throwing up Pyru or nothing, am I? You know what I'm saying? But, Joe, tonight. You can't wear your hat wrong in certain neighborhoods. <laughs> yeah, I know. We're going to talk to you about the Michigan Wolverines walking up to the Washington Huskies straight out of state property. Get down or lay down. And if you lay down, you're going to stay down. We're going to take an early look at the NFL playoffs. No predictions tonight, but just no some overall thoughts about the games. Just overall thoughts about the games, the matchups, what we see, what we like. Then we're going to talk about some rumors. It's been a long time since I participated in some gossip. But there's some NBA trade rumors out there. There's some trades that we want to see. But it just wouldn't be sports reports as ordered if we didn't start it off with get it off my chest. You want me to go first? Yeah, you said you was going to go first. I'm going to go first. I'm going to go ahead and say this real quick. Like, come on, man. Can y'all stop? Can we just appreciate LeBron as a basketball player without getting so hyperbolic with it? (laughs) James Worthy literally said that the fast break dunk that he had on Paul George was a dunk of the century. Like, (laughs) like, come on, man. Like, I get it. I, I admire it, like his greatness. If you just think about the math, think about the first NBA game he was on and the digital and how pixelated it looked versus now. Like you can see everything is just like just that that growth and then the time you put in the league and his 10 and NBA finals and the conference finals and just what he's done on the court, all time points leader, point score in the sport. You don't need this extra stuff. Right. Like we don't need this dunk of the century stuff because that's how I go to sports groups and I can't even have conversations because people are just like I saw a post today of Bronny James stats versus Marcus Jordan's college basketball stats. Like this is how far it's gone. And it's because this this dramatic pendulum swing, just cut it out. Just let it go, man. Like appreciate it appreciate what's going on appreciate the the moments but like we don't have to do all this other stuff it's unnecessary it's unnecessary it's like i know in the background you can see like i got the highlights from the nba season plan and you got the end season tournament just look at it like yo that's a dope thing that a team went out performed and won some games and they won this tournament don't try to use it like, oh, it's not a championship. Jordan was 6-0. Kobe would have done this. Kobe would like, just be like, yo, that's dope. They worked hard. Christian Wood bought his mama house with that money. Like, I mean, we don't always have to turn into this 
this endless, unsubstantiated debate, nor do we have to make every simple thing that somebody does seem like the greatest thing in the history of the whatever league or environment or workforce that they're in. So just like calm it down. That's all I ask. Just collectively, if you don't like it, cool, calm down. If you love them, cool, calm it down. Let's balance out. I'm getting sick of the, I'm just, I'm getting sick of the back and forth. One dude literally posted a dude's criminal record in one of my sports group to try to dismantle his credibility as a person who could talk sports. <laughs> this is a real thing that's happened to me when I was looking like, oh, you, they posted the man's mugshot and the rap sheet. Yo. <laughs> I'm not making this up, dog. Like, I'm a good storyteller, but I tell the truth. He literally posted this man's rap sheet. <laughs> it's gone too far. Cut it out. Y'all gotta stop. You Yo, gotta stop. Please just cut it out. It reminds it. me. It reminds <laughs> me. Uh, the other day, I shared something in our sports group, you know, but I shared it just because it was funny and I wanted to bring a point to. So his son going to get it, too. And it was a post where they were talking about uh, USC. They were talking about bully Boogie Ellis's stats. They were talking about uh, Collier's stats. And then it said, Bronny James, great team player. And it was like, it was just like. He didn't need to be in the stat at all. Right. It's just like, oh, he going to get it, too, huh? Like, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know if the person that did that, I don't know if they were being negative and just trying to shit on Bronny. Or if they were just trying to include them, or what? Just the, trying to include them because if you're gonna yeah. talk USC basketball, it, based on how the our current media field goes, is like I gotta talk about these people. I gotta talk about these polarizing figures right. versus like I'm just talk. I'm making a point about who's scoring the most points and who's contributing the most on the USC basketball team. If it's just those two guys, if they are the the beacons and the light that the team rallies around, then that's the conversation. Well, there was even a thing coming out talking about the Miami Heat are looking into Bronny James. It is just why? like, why? why? What are we talking There's about right 100 now? 100 Division One basketball teams and Division there, two there are 365 Division One basketball, basketball teams. teams. <laughs> then you got the G League. It's like, yeah, they'll pick the guy that works for them. Right. And who's gonna leak the report in January that I'm looking <laughs> at a I'm looking at this freshman from USC? Like how that's, is it? Yeah, that's averaging like four points or something like that. Yeah. I think it's eight. I think it's eight, but he's good. Know. He has a great name, great basketball IQ. You can tell he's a, a he's probably really is a winner in a team player. He don't bro. have a great name. I wish somebody would call me Bronny. Well, he changed the Bronny. <laughs> I, know, want, I know. He didn't I know. want people to. It's he just didn't a want stupid to, name. He didn't want to trade on the name of LeBron James. It's just a stupid name. Bronny. He wanted to be his own man. Bronny. What do you like? Paper towels or some shit? Yo. So, you know, obviously in the intro, I brought up state property. So, you know, movies were on my mind. So, when it comes to my get off, get it off my chest, there was a movie scene that came to mind. So, you saw a scary movie, right? Once or twice, yeah. Yeah. So there was a scene where the guy was on the roof about to jump off. And, you know, he's like, I'm going to do it. And Anna Ferris is down on the ground, just wasn't even talking to him, but she's just spinning around like, just do it already. Just do it already. And then, of course, he's like, what? 
do it. And then he jumps off the roof. So I say that to say, I saw Draymond Green come out and say that Adam Silver talked him out of retirement. Just do it already. Just do it already. Go home, Draymond. We know that you want to be a podcaster. We know that you want to be on TNT. We know that you have dreams outside of basketball. There is nothing wrong with that. But put your foot all the way out. Don't do the Ben Roethlisberger thing where it's like, oh, I don't feel good. I don't know. I might want to – I don't know. I think I'm thinking about retiring. If you're thinking about retiring, you're already retired. Already there, yeah. You're already there. And guess what? Newsflash, the empire is over. The Warriors are not winning a championship this season. And retirement is pretty good, man. We both done it. It's fun, man. We both retired and started our own podcast. So it's like there's light at the end of the tunnel. At this point, (laughs) they're going to be lucky to make the play in. You know, so look, on a serious note, Draymond, you are or were at one point in time the heart and soul of that team. They don't win those championships without you. You know, like I know Steph had all the points. I know we had game six clay, but it was your presence that allowed Steph to freelance on offense. It was your play that kept the other team's best player in check at times. You know, like I watched you erase Jokic out of a series once. So I will never take anything away from you. I will never, ever try to say that you aren't a focal point of that championship run. You're a catalyst, yeah. Absolutely. But it's over, dog. Go home. You know what I'm saying? Adam Silver, shame on you for talking Draymond out of retirement. We're tired of Draymond. We're done with Draymond. Even we had people like Dennis Rodman back in the day who did these kind of things, but they knew they knew how to get in and out. Uh, they knew when to be a weasel and when to play right. They knew how to turn it on. Draymond doesn't know. Draymond reminds me of the little kid that you let cuss one time because it's cute. (laughs) Your kid says, oh, shit, and you think it's cute. They keep saying it over and over, and then when you out at the supermarket, they say something crazy, and everybody looking at you like, what's going on in that household? Or at the family karaoke, and they get the microphone. Yeah, like maybe Draymond has come to a point in his life because he went to counseling, so maybe he's – Maybe he realized something in counseling. Maybe he's not happy in basketball anymore. You know, nothing to do with being a podcaster and all that other stuff that I mentioned. But maybe the passion isn't there no more. Maybe the fact that the Warriors aren't good. That's what it is. And they're a it's bunch of front runners. Been the same the inside time. It's been the same. Yeah, they're a bunch of front runners. Now, now, when he was an asshole in 2017, it was all good because they were 24 and 5. Right. You know, but when you're, you know, they're like, they're like team, 17 and 19 right now or something. 17 like and 19. So probably when he got suspended, so five, six games ago, or even if it was 10 games, they were hovering around 500 anyway. So it's like those antics now look like distractions. Yeah. Like Tyreek, if Tyreek Hill catches, if Miami, or just hypothetically, he catches his second deep route and he kept, and he does a backflip into the end zone. And they go up 14-0 off of that play. It's not the same as if they're down 48-14 and he catches it and does a backflip. You look silly. Right. It's the same action, the same activity, right. same person, same personality, except that being down four possessions and you do the backflip 
it looks like you're being an asshole. Well, he was doing the same thing when they were 19 games above 500, when they were on the way to 73 and nine, when they were 16, 67 and 15 back in the day, when they were going in NBA finals, he's never changed. Right. It's just, this is the first time he full on flailed and slapped the shit out of somebody in their neck. <laughs> but other than that, he was doing all the same stuff. It's just I mean, that he they was were punching people in the nuts during the he was kicking people in the nuts. He was pushing people. He was arguing with the refs. He was causing problems. Like you think he'd be happy? You know, he got another nut puncher on his team now. Oh, CP3. Yeah, who's CP3 out again with a subtle. broken hand? You know, he's out with a broken hand. Like, at least we know that all nuts are safe now. You know, what I'm <laughs> he's the backhand. <laughs> yeah, get that off my chest. You know, but yo, last night down in H Town, Michigan, I walked up. They put their dick on the table and said, What you gonna do about this? We never gonna get monetized talking like that. <laughs> <laughs> what you gonna do about this? And Washington had no answers. I don't think there was ever any danger. I know Washington cut it down to seven right before the half, but there was no danger of Washington in that game. Not so, at all. What were like your takeaways? Little, it was like your little brother trying to fight you. Like you get the boxing gloves, you go out in front or you go in the backyard and you got, you know, you got your little cousin or something. Yeah. He might catch you once or twice, but you know, for the most part that I'm going to just slide, jab him and jab him, jab him into frustration and I'm going to hit him with a hook and an uppercut, and it's going to be over. That's what that half, that pre-halftime score was. I think Harbaugh knew it. I think he was probably contemplating going for it again on that fourth down before he actually punted, but it was like, what's the point? Let's just go ahead and punt it, come back, dominate the game. Uh, when they when the camera panned in and it said NRG Stadium, I thought, like, I'm like that, that's where the Falcons lost the Super Bowl. So I was thinking <laughs> about that when the game started, and I was, like, dead tired yesterday. So I was kind of in and out. Um, so I was watching the game and what I noticed, it just was that Michigan just played like bully ball, not like Washington played soft or played passive. It just was, they knew it's like the Deontay Wilder thing. Like they knew, like, if I catch you with his right hand, it's lights out. And I think their right hand was that physicality up front. So once I saw the guy just basically running 40 yard touchdowns, I was like, this is not even the game that I'm, I was kind of glad I was sleepy because <laughs> I made it to halftime and then I dozed off. I woke up in like the third and then I woke up like later in the fourth. And I was like, so I, like I said, I missed most of the game and I apologize to the audience for not having a lot of insight, but I just knew that it wasn't good. It, I just knew that that oh. matchup up front <laughs> with a game. Cause like Penix is like, I watched him, like he doesn't get sacked, but he normally doesn't get sacked. And doesn't get rattled. Right. Last night he wasn't getting sacked, but he was rattled. A lot of throws behind, a lot of throws he would normally make. It was like he knew he had a, a half second less. Right. On the, even on his slide, because most quarterbacks know I'm sliding because the pocket's collapsing. I'm sliding because I get the pressure. I'm sliding because I gotta avoid something. But even with that, sometimes they slide and still know. I just bought myself a whole second to get this guy open. He was sliding like I don't have that time. So he was sliding and throwing because Michigan just was winning the battle up front. I don't know if this is an indictment on like 
who they should let in the playoffs. No, like that. No, I'm no, pretty sure that conversation is going to come about. But well, I got it, something to a, say about that. It's just a matter of like I think Jim Harbaugh. If it, it shouldn't surprise anybody when Jim Harbaugh was at Stanford and he beat USC, and then he went to San Francisco and took Mike Singletary's team all the way to the Super Bowl. He did it with physicality. Colin Kaepernick, mm-hmm. people might not like him, but if you think about, he was like Colin Kaepernick's like 6'5", 225, 230. Right. He's a physical specimen. So it was like you had guys like Vernon Davis. They had Staley, who used to be a tight end in college. He was an offensive tackle. They just they would come. They run out three tight ends. They were a very physical team, and I think he took that same format to Michigan. So it didn't surprise me that they won the way they did. What would surprise me if he doesn't, if we don't hear a report about an NFL team, because right now there's three openings and probably some some guys in shaky. Well, there's more openings. Don't forget Carolina's open. The Chargers are open. The Raiders are open. Raiders, so that's six. So call this six. So three new fires and then three previous fires. Right. We I wouldn't be surprised if there's a report that says this team offered Jim Harbaugh five years, 18 million or five years, five years, a hundred million total or five years, 96 million or something like that. Yeah. So I got something to say about what you said, you know what I'm saying? Because I'm sick of people. I'm sick of these college football fans trying to ruin the game that I love, you know, talking about see Washington didn't belong there. Did Washington or did Washington not beat Texas last week? Who belonged then? That's the thing. The same Texas that beat Alabama. And here's another secret for you. 33 to 18. That was Georgia over Alabama. 44 to 16. That was Clemson over Alabama. 42 to 25. That was another national title game score. You know what I mean? So get out of here. Like, this is what happens. Throughout the course of the college football playoff, not including last night, which Michigan won by 21, the average margin of victory is 20.4 points. This is what happens in the college football playoff. They're not that compelling of games. That's why you, that's why the semifinal games are so good. Right. Now back to the now back to the task here. You know, JJ McCarthy, 27 and 1 as a starter, only needed 140 yards passing to win this game because Donovan Edwards and Blake Corum said, sit back, we got this. Now, this was what stood out to me because you know I like to look at the stats. So this is what stood out to me. Okay, let's hear it. All right. Roma Dunze. Jalen McMillan, McMillan and Jalen Polk. I like Jalen Polk the best, even though Roma Dunze is the best one. 30 targets last night between the three of them. 14 catches. That's not a good rate. 14 catches. It's like 48%, 46%. Yeah, so, <laughs> so, so that was what stood out to me was, because that was the question, you know, can Michigan secondary hold up? You know, and... William Johnson said, yes, Mike, hold on. I got to look at my paper. So I say it right. Mike Samerstell, you know, said, Terrible yes. name. Change your name. <laughs> said, yeah. Oh, yeah. But Bronny's cool. But, you know, he said, yes. James. You know. At a minimum, like I can say James. <laughs> I can get that locked in. Yeah. Samerstell. Like, I don't know. Yeah. So, so, so the other thing that stood out to me, we talked about this last week when we picked the game, you know, um, and one of the things that I said was, Trenches. If Washington hold up in the trenches, they give themselves a chance to win. Michigan had 174 rushing yards in the first quarter. 
For the game. Yeah, my guy had a hundred on two carries. For the game. For the game. Michigan had 303 rushing yards. Washington had 301 total yards. And then everybody wants to go crazy for first round draft pick quarterbacks. Well, every single big time championship game or big time playoff game or SEC championship game or conference championship game, every single time the team that dominates the run stats wins. But yet every single year, we want to put JJ McCarthy's your fifth rated quarterback and put him in, in the first round. And Corum probably won't get drafted because he's 5'7". You know who didn't win a national title? Bryce Young. But guess who did? Greg McElroy. McCorkle like, Jones got him one too. McCorkle Jones got a national title. You know what I'm saying? Guess who didn't? C.J. Stroud. Man, Sometimes. that field goal kicker. He's probably he's probably kicking himself like, man. Because Ohio State would have beat the brakes off of TCU. It might not oh, have yeah. been 65 oh, yeah. to 7. Oh, yeah. I didn't even bring that up. 65 to 7 last year. It would have been it would have been 42 to 14 or 42 to 20 or something if, if Ohio State would have played TCU because they just weren't wired the same. Like I look at it like I like JJ McCarthy. I think he is like a really good version of Mac Jones. And if any NFL team drafts him, that's what you're gonna get. Because he talked about it. What are you, 17 for 27 last night? Or like, not even that. Like, something no, less than that. No. Like, 10, like for, 10 for 18. 10 for 18. We talked about this before yards. with yeah. Penn State. The Penn State game where they only threw the ball three times in the second half. I'm not saying he's not a good quarterback. Because in order to get in these positions, at some point he has to make these throws. But until you get a game where you got to go 31 for 40, 340, 350, 365, something like that. Till you have one of these games, there's no way that you can put him in the top five. I think his coach, if you want to do like a package deal, if you're in the top 10 and try to get them both, then maybe that'll work. But I wouldn't I wouldn't fall in love with the 27 to 1 record. Like the big I'm not a big quarterback wins guy. I understand that the quarterback has to play well consistently for your team to win. Right. It's not a matter of like you can have an un, an subpar quarterback, a lot like what Iowa does. Iowa's a great defense. They shut a lot of teams down and shut a lot, but they don't have the dynamic quarterback consistently. Right. They tend Shout to have out to a Phil very, Parker. They, they they tend to have a very pedestrian, midwestern, play action, flat pass kind of quarterback. Not a lot of electric, not a lot of skill, not a lot well, of You know flavor. what's actually funny? They came into this year with Kate McNamara as their quarterback, who was the predecessor to J.J. McCarthy. Yeah, but he wasn't – he was essentially the same thing. He wasn't like a big-time, big playmaker with his arm no. and his legs. No. You know, he wasn't going to threaten – the defense wasn't going to feel threatened because he's there. Right, right. So – but – if you uh, if you look at what Michigan did last night, like I said, I was I was like I said, I was I was kind of excited that it was a beatdown because I was tired and <laughs> I was dead tired. I got up way earlier than I wanted to, and I was watching the game. And I was just thinking, like after those two runs, because when you text me, it was like I think you take Michigan, and I I got on 
So I was trying to I had the had everything set up, but I yeah, was, it was like, right after the first touchdown. Yeah, I was cooking dinner. I was trying to beat the clock. So I was like, I had chopped up the mushrooms and onions, I had the pasta and the salmon. You know, I'll be really getting down in the kitchen. I'm not just a podcaster. I mean, I'll be doing other things too. And I was looking <laughs> at the clock, like I, I gotta get this ready. So by the time I was done with the pasta and the shrimp and the and the salmon, broccoli in there too. You gotta get some greens in there, a little spinach. By the time I sat down, they had already scored. So then by the time I sat down and got settled in, he got his second handoff that went for like 41 <laughs> yards. And when I saw that, I was like, he bounced around the backfield like Le'Veon Bell. Bounce, 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 picked his hole. And to me, like, okay, that's running back patience. That's just upfront dominance for the offensive line. It's like, you know that this guy just ran a 40 plus yard touchdown on you the last time you had the ball. Right. And he comes right back in the game and he runs the opposite direction. First one was to the left, bounce, bounce, bounce out to the left, bounce, bounce, bounce out to the right. I was like, yeah, they, they, you can't throw, you can't throw your way to victory when another team knows it can beat you up up front like that. Right. And you know, then on top of that, this is the first national championship game with two 101 yard or 100 yard rushers on the same team since Mark Ingram and Trent Richardson. You know, but it just goes to show you how important the trenches are. You know, so Michael Penix, right before halftime, threw the touchdown pass. My takeaway, because you know, now that we do this sports thing, before, you know, you're like, ah, this game is garbage. But now, as the sports guy, you're like, Okay, Washington's got a little momentum, and now they got to feel good. They get the ball first to start the second half. Like, okay, we got a game now. And then what happens? Interception on the first play of the second half. Interception on the first play. But even the touchdown drive, everything just looked tough. Like, Washington. Yo, it looked like they were literally trying to climb a rock wall. Yeah, they didn't have a Yeah, they got to the top, but it was exhausting. There, like, there was like moments in the second half. There were moments where Adunze was open, and like you said, Penix just missed him. Like he he might have freaked out. He saw dead people. You know he was he was doing. I you think know, it's he, just a matter of like he just he, knew he didn't have that. He like I said, you slide, you bite. Like I normally slide. Like I'm a quarterback. I normally step up in the pocket. My internal clock says I got I got one point two five seconds from here from right now. My slide. Look, throw left handed. I think he was sliding like I don't have that. I don't know what's going on behind me because it wasn't like a it was like a comfortable slide. Like sometimes you like we watch Tom Brady like manipulate the pocket and like okay, this guard and this tackle are making good blocks. Let right. me slide over here and I'll be able to get this pass off. And he did that against Texas. I watched him. He would step up. He would slide. But I think he knew Texas wasn't getting the, the push up front because Sweat was on an exercise bike for a lot of the lot of the game. So he knew when he stepped up, I got some more time because 93 is not across from me. So I can make this throw in between these two safeties because all cornerbacks, there's only so much they can do. The most talented corners and the most talented secondary, they're not going to be able to cover wide receivers for four and a half to five seconds because wide receivers looking back at the quarterback and sees that, oh, he's rolled this way, and now he can make a quick move, the corner's in no man's land. Right. So you need that push up front, and I think Michigan was getting that push, and it was like, it was like there's not, nothing to do about it. 
the play calling, timeouts, the run game, the 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 running back out there with the with the lower foot, leg, ankle injuries, and just gutting it out. And I I respect his I respect his performance, but that's why you gotta like you gotta get other people ready and develop. I mean, Michigan had a one-two punch. They've they've used that same one-two punch for the last two years. It's the same concept that Harbaugh was implementing when he was in with the 49ers. And with the way he's running the ball and, and putting two tight ends in the game and like giving giving the defense a couple of different looks. Washington was just basically going out there like, yo, like we have talented wide receivers. We got a pretty solid tight end, good run game. You know, we're gonna jab, 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 throw body blows, throw hooks. We're gonna do our thing. Whereas Michigan was like, hey, we're gonna hit you with this overhand right multiple times in the first quarter. Well, apparently, uh, <clears throat> shifting gears a little, you know, no LeVar ball. You know, um, there was the whole Michigan's supposedly have a $125 million contract waiting on Harbaugh. And my question was. I think everybody's going to have that waiting on them. Well, well, my, well, my question was like, okay, he went to Michigan, you know, $125 million. If he ain't signed it yet, chances are he may not sign it. And. He's got this gold. He's got this. It's some ridiculous contract. And he's got this gold. He he, he, got 50. He crossed this goal off the list, but he got unfinished business because he was a play away. Yeah, he was a play away from winning the Super Bowl. You know, you think a Super Bowl for the 49ers, a team he didn't play for, resonates more? No. Then a championship for the not at all, not at all. Michigan and Bo Schembechler and his father and not at all, not at all. I just think that he did it now, but he's the type of competitive person where there's probably a part of him, and and obviously I'm overstating. Yeah, yeah, we we haven't spoken at the Harbaugh's right. There's 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 a part of him. There's a part of him that might feel like not a failure, but just feel especially his brother got a Super Bowl. You know what I mean? Like he, I just feel like. But it was feels, against him. I know, I know, but I'm just saying. I just it's feel not like that, his brother came in with some crazy amount of success. It's like they were playing together. Like I think, I think no, that I might know. be the dopest part. I think he might be good <laughs> with that. But if he takes an NFC job, I can see why. So he, him and his brother can battle out and and the Super Bowl again. But but no, I just I, don't, I just I, think that he. I don't know. The type of I don't dude. know. If the, I think college might have been better. I think his college time and the legacy that he built. As a player, with the connections to his father, with his connections to a legendary coach, I think that might resonate more than NFL. I think his brother was his 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 breakout. Like I didn't know John Harbaugh was like a, a I didn't know who he was until he got hired by the Ravens. And well, yeah, like, he was like a special teams coach. They were like Jim Harbaugh's older brother, whereas Jim, Michigan, Shem Beckler. Dad's a coach. He played for or he played for like the Bears and the Colts. The Colts. I remember that. Uh-huh. I remember that game against uh Pittsburgh, the Pittsburgh. AFC game. Yeah. Oh man, it was so close. My, like so I said, my close. dad's a Colts fan. Like the dude, he was bringing his hands down yeah. on top of the ball and like rolled and like lifted his hands up. I'm like, get handsy to get to the ball, dog. Like it was it was on his chest. And like, cause my aunt, my aunt's yeah. a Pittsburgh Steelers fan. And I was at her house. I don't know if I was with my pops or not, but I, I was at my aunt's house. Shout out my aunt Tot, and she's a Steelers fan. And my dad, you know, her older brother is 
Colts fan, and I remember watching it on the TV. Probably was no bigger than this monitor. Now I think about it, and I was like, "Yo, he had his hands like over top of the ball, and he just right. rolled and lifted his hands up." But I think his and like he has a. I think he's in a position to like. I mean, who's coming to the Big Ten? USC? No, USC is going. LA, Washington, and Oregon. So UCLA, USC, Oregon, Washington, uh-huh. Big Ten. I don't think they're threats to Michigan to meet, you know, in the well, immediate might, future. Because right now, Oregon has the number one recruiting class in the Big Ten. Yeah, that's that's cool. We'll see. Just saying. But Oregon's always has good players because I think Oregon's – I think the Jordans that get released in Oregon colors – Convinces certain amount of guys to come to the school. But I think, think they get. It. I think they get recruits based on like the like the acclaim of of being involved with Nike. It's not a lot of like results. Justin Herbert was there. I don't think he played in a college football playoff game. No. Mariota, yes, Mariota beat Florida State, but that's it. They're just always really good and well, flashy because they are Nike. Well, Michigan they, is also they're just, probably- kid, they're just the kid that always has a dope. Outfits after Michigan is probably losing McCarthy. They're probably going to lose Blake Corum. They're going to lose a few people off of that defense. You know, Ohio State just went and got Will Howard from Kansas State. They just went and got Quinshawn Jenkins from Ole Miss. You know, they still got Travion Henderson. Ohio State's locked and loaded for next year. Um, yeah, but no one has any faith in Ryan Day to the level that they have with Jim Harbaugh. That's fair. So either. I mean, I don't know. I don't know when the recruiting year looks like. I don't know if guys can decommit and still get to Michigan, or I don't know if they have a lot of guys waiting in the wings that could really that could really take it forward. But somebody's gonna offer them a contract of a hundred million plus. Got to, got to. Whether whether it's the Raiders, whether it's the Falcons, whether it's New England when they get rid of Bill Belichick. Commanders. I mean, I'm not going there. You know, I mean, I don't know. Apparently, he's up. apparently he's really good friends with Bob Myers, which I just learned about two That's hours cool. ago. We, we, we can tell. <laughs> like you yeah. and I, you and I are good friends, but I'm not moving to San Antonio so you and I can be live close. Well, it sounds to, like, from what I've been hearing, it sounds like from this far. From what I've been hearing, it sounds like Belichick is willing to give up his uh, GM duty. So GM. that might, so that might keep him around, you know, another year at least, or another two years, maybe we'll see. Uh, I know he needs to break the record. He is 20 something wins away. I'm about to look it up right now. Keep talking. Um, so if he, yeah, like I looked it up the other day too. I'm so mad at myself that I don't, gotta, it would take a serious <laughs> overhaul. To get him, like honestly, I don't even like other than him personally just wanting it. I don't think people look at Don Shula as one of the greatest coaches in the NFL. Maybe because maybe it's so long ago, the Super yeah. Bowls were barely in color. So he's They're actually only he's actually only color fifteen wins away. So in theory, you get a good GM that gets you up to number one and gets you some. Brother, like you gotta get like you gotta get some what's that movie with uh Kevin Costner? Oh draft day draft day. You need something like that to happen where you can like finagle and get the top quarterback (laughs) and the top and the top wide receiver in one draft, and then you gotta hit on like three or four fifth round picks. 
I mean, I don't know. They were a couple of wins. I mean, a couple of games away from winning like, you know, eight games this year. So if they could go eight, yeah, nine, if they could go eight, nine next year, you're halfway there. 24 points. You can't, you gotta, you gotta put out a roster that says at minimum, I'm getting 10 wins. Miami, Buffalo, Kansas City, healthy Cincinnati, Baltimore, San Francisco, Dallas. Philly, Dallas. So we're up to eight. That's about right. About a, about a quarter of the league. Those eight teams starting up at, at the beginning of the training camp. We're a 10-win team. Pittsburgh, <laughs> Mike Tomlin. <laughs> Mike Tomlin, you're a nine-win team off of his cachet. The <laughs> roster basically seems to be non-existent. The quarterback who plays for Pittsburgh can be anybody. I think my son and Mitchell Trubisky are the same height. So maybe I get him out there and he could do what Trubisky did. Yeah. But it's like it's – Certain teams can be like, yo, we're a 10-win team off the rip. Then you got teams like New Orleans, Atlanta, Jacksonville, Green Bay. New England, Green Bay, that Minnesota. are Minnesota. If we do XYZ correctly, Seattle. The Rams. The apparently the Rams. I had them at five, <laughs> four, five wins. But those are the teams that's like, we gotta win. We're going to have to win these games, these rivalry games that we know we're going to have. We're not going to be favored in these games. And dude's like, like Stroud only going to get better. True, you would hope. But the problem is when you have team success, it's going to – luckily they have a bunch of young players. Uh-huh. And I want to see them win a playoff game. I think that it just well, be dope. it's going to be tough. It's going to be. It tough. will be dope just because the Carolina owner is losing his cool, and the fact that he had an opportunity to take CJ Stroud and didn't, and it's not Bryce Young's fault that they're not successful. I don't know if Definitely. CJ Stroud right. would yeah, have been yeah, more yeah. successful in Carolina, yeah. but the apples or oranges, rudimentary, no research base, feelings only comparison is like dog. You know, you trade away a lot to get this guy and the dude that was right behind him won 10 games. And he yeah. looked good. He looked good. Even he looked good all year, even after bad games. It was like, okay, we're about to take the air out of the balloon here. Three interceptions against who threw three? He threw three picks against somebody. Was it New Orleans? No, it was later than that. Because I know New Orleans was when he threw the first pick. That was, he, he, threw, he threw three picks. And I believe, I think he threw two two picks and still got a win, and then three picks and a loss. And then he had the Jacksonville loss. I think he, he played. I think he had a couple of picks in that Jacksonville loss, but then he came back. They beat Denver. <clears throat> yeah. And then he made the throw. It was sixty three yards in the air on the first play against Indianapolis to a Michigan receiver. He lost his double wide receiver to an injury. Tank Dell, another yeah. young guy who's growing together. Yeah. And then all of a sudden he was like, yo, you going to get open? Bet. So it kind of like, it makes like the whole Patrick Mahomes, you need wide receivers, whatever, whatever. Maybe that guy's more talented. Maybe they're just younger and they just don't know any better. Right. 
Um, yeah, so, so the good news I like, is I, I like them. I like them in the playoffs. I think I would. So, I want them to do well. I want them the good, to do well because I think that'd be a good entertainment. The story. good news is the Cleveland Browns know that they can win on that field. The bad news is C.J. Stroud didn't play that game. So that was the game he missed. One of the games he missed with the concussion. Concussion so, he got rocked. Yeah. Yeah. So Davis Mills got the start in that game and still put up twenty two on Cleveland. Davis Mills. Yeah. And uh, yeah, the serpent know, neck. He got those. Uh, was ain't that like a serial thing? <laughs> oh, that's General Mills. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, but you know, but yeah. So so Flacco's coming in there, you know, and it's so hilarious. I love listening to how people talk about different quarterbacks. Because like people are like Joe Flacco, he's putting the Browns on his back. He's doing this. He's doing that. He looks great, and he looked like he. Did. And I'm like, he still threw eight interceptions, even though he only played like five or six games. He threw more touchdowns than Kenny Pickett, though. He did throw more touchdowns than Kenny Pickett. Thirteen touchdowns, eight interceptions. Um, but so obviously, you know, the last couple of weeks he's been playing without. He didn't play this past week, but Amari Cooper has been out as well. And that game against Houston was when Amari Cooper went for 265 and broke the Browns record. So, you know, we know that Amari Cooper feels comfortable against that secondary, provided that he comes back this weekend. So um, I think Houston can win the game. You know, um, I just don't know if they will. I mean, I figure it's at home. I believe the the men in the locker room believe in each other. Uh-huh. That goes from the coaches to the players, and their play has like resonated that tone. Because sometimes it's a matter of we talk. We're going to talk about Philly, and I don't want to jump the gun, but Philly won eleven games. So Philly won 11 games. Right. And there's people talking about them losing their first playoff game. Because from what we can tell through press conferences, through on-field performance, they're not they're not operating like a team that won 11 games. Right. Whereas the Texans went 10 and 7. And most of people probably had them, best case scenario, people probably had them 5 and 12. And I wasn't thinking about talent. I just was thinking about you have a rookie quarterback, rookie head coach, that combination with the team that essentially earned the number two pick. Like they they were in the position to be the number one pick. Well the so them coming around with just you just get a new coach, a new quarter new young quarterback, you're not supposed to win ten games. Well the problem with Philly though is that they started 10 and one and finished one and five. You know what I mean? And one of those five was Arizona. Another one of those fives was the Giants. Yeah, but they so, still <laughs> they still got the 10 wins. I mean, they got the yeah. 10 out of the first 11 games. So it's like, I think as a collective inside that locker room, it should have been a part when they got to 10 and one. Uh-huh. And then it was a scramble and it was what probably like I think they went 10 and two, probably 10 and three. And then they went 11-3, and they lost the last two? 11-4. Yeah, I, I know they lost to Arizona. They lost to the Giants. They, they beat lo- Buffalo. So they, they beat, beat Buffalo, Buffalo in that middle. So you beat Buffalo, a team that was 
on their grind. So I think that was like 11. So I think they might have been like 10. They were like 10 like and 2. Maybe. 10 and 2, maybe 11, 11 and 2 after that game. I'm yeah. gonna, I could be wrong, but somewhere in that range. That should have been their point. We're like, yo, all right, everyone get in here, man up, throw your feelings in the middle. Let's hash it out. Now all this feelings, we threw it all in this trash, these trash bags. Let's right. get it out of here. Let's go play football. Right. I don't know if they did that. And I think Houston probably had a moment where it was like, yo, yeah, we had a bad game today. Take tomorrow off. I'll see y'all Tuesday for film. And we'll we'll do walkthroughs Wednesday. And people were like, all right, bet. And guys went home. They dealt with whatever loss happened on Sunday. They took Monday off to relax, and they came back on Tuesday ready to go. Whereas in Philly, it doesn't seem as if guys are taking that Monday off to be introspective. Like, you know what? Maybe it's on me. Maybe Buffalo did that when they were 6-6. Six and six. Guys went home and said, you know what? What can I do to get better? Sean no, they did. They brought 9-11. That's what they did. They invoked 9-11. Never forget. Never forget. Uh, Kansas City, same way. It was like they were struggling, but were they collectively like, listen, fellas, we're struggling. We're in the last mile of this marathon. Slow the pace down. Breathe into your nose, out your mouth. Let's get to this finish line. Reset. Get to the playoffs. It feels as if they were able to do that. Detroit is the same way. Detroit had a nice, I think they were like eight and two, and people had them as Super Bowl favorites. Jared Goff was an MVP conversation. They faltered. And then, I, like I said, they get together. Yo, what can we do from here? The Giants, they were having a terrible year. They inserted the third string quarterback. They had a great buzz for three to four weeks. The yeah. city got. Like I like one of the one of the parents on the team, we had a Monday night, my son freshman basketball game. We had a Monday night game. Game started like 345. He's like, we gotta get out of here because I'm going up to the Giants game. He was sitting at the 300 section. He's like, yeah. I'm just going to the game because it's just a great story. A guy from the city playing quarterback for the Giants. And that's the game they end up winning against Green Bay. Everybody was buying all the Stromboli. But everyone's buying in. Like, even the fans. Like, we we are, like, from MetLife Stadium, from his house, our house, like, our area we live in, without traffic, it's an hour and some change. Hour, five minutes, maybe. That's no that's no traffic. Right. It's $20 in tolls there and back. And if they're charging for parking, it's like $40. Yo, speaking of which, side note, sorry. So that's dedication for to sorry. get your fans there, yeah. Thank you to the VA and the United States military. Like, I just got to take a second because when I went up to that demolition on Thanksgiving, people were paying 120 bucks to park. Did you, you park for free? Yeah, yeah, I parked for free, you know what I mean? Because, you know, yeah, I'm in the club. But uh, people were paying 120 bucks to park right across from the stadium. You got to be kidding. Like, like the cheapest stadium, I saw was $80. The cheapest I saw was $80. Met, see, the thing with MetLife Stadium is that you park at the stadium. Because I went to a game once. I went to the Pac-12. Yeah, the Pac-12 championship game in 2018. It was Utah-Washington, but it was in Santa Clara at the uh -huh. at Levi Stadium. 
I don't know if it's still called Levi, but it's at Levi Stadium. So around the stadium was plenty of parking, but businesses down the street were letting you use their parking lot. So we ended up parking behind some mechanic spot. It's probably like a quarter mile, half a mile from the stadium, nothing far. But I think then I want to get on to be right. I believe it was 40. It might have been 30. That's crazy. But it was it was like it was it was like either 50, 50, 40, or 30, somewhere there. But even with that, I wasn't close. Like we still had to walk up the block to get to the stadium. So I went to the Jets Falcons game. And here, MetLife Stadium is right off the turnpike. So you come up the turnpike and you essentially drive right into the parking lot. Finally uh, found it. Finally found it. What's that? The, the Lakers and Raptors. <laughs> oh. So, uh, yeah, so you drive right off the turnpike into the parking lot. Yeah. So I'm driving because I had tickets for the game. And I pull in and I'm looking around. I'm like, I don't see any parking attendants. But this gate was like shifted to where you can drive into this parking section. But it was pouring down raining. So I found a spot. Like I was like, I found a spot like right next to the stadium. Back then, parts. I talked to one of the guys, I'm like, yo, do I gotta pay for this? He goes, he's like, normally they'd look, but like normally you gotta be like a platinum, whatever. But the game had already started. Yeah. And it was like it's raining. So the likelihood of people walking around looking for passes. So I was like, bet. Because I had gone to one of those games before. It was $40 to park. I'm like, the park was already built. What am I paying for? Right. The asphalt's already laid. It's already painted. Like, what am I paying you $40 just to go over here, bud? All right. So so let's 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 switch gears for a quick second. Let's 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 change this for a second. Uh let's play a game. I got um, it. So Baltimore Ravens. 49ers are the number one seeds. Correct. Who is the biggest threat to Baltimore? Baltimore. Okay, Confucius. That's, that seems very generic. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think any of the other six teams in the AFC, I don't think any of them do anything that Baltimore isn't prepared to beat. Because I don't think if we if we just went down okay if you look at Pittsburgh, is Pittsburgh can Pittsburgh win if you take away the run game? No, no. Buffalo, if you don't take you away their don't you do it if you take away their run game and then you make Josh Allen yes. throw the ball forty five times yes make him no make him throw it forty five times yes if he has to throw it forty five we'll times that means tonight. Next team, next team. If, if he has to throw it, like there's not I can't a lot take of off evidence. my glasses. Just go to the there's next not a lot team. Of evidence to support that the guy <laughs> throwing the ball 45 times and not running it 20 times, winning the football game. All right, just all right. Who's next? Who's next? Who's I mean, next? I'm just a lowly guy with a podcast, but who's, I don't think that happens. Who's next? <laughs> Kansas City. Do they match up well? Does their do their wide receivers threaten the Baltimore defense? No. No. Miami. Like we were talking in our pre-meeting, you said they lead the league in rushing. Well, they're like they're like sixth in rushing, yeah. But like just in that the upper, like they're they're one of the more prominent, you know, the better rushing teams. Yeah. Can Baltimore stop the run? Yes. Coupled with the fact they just beat them, they put fifty points. 50, I don't think they're gonna put 50, I don't think yeah. they're gonna put fifty <laughs> points up. But 
Houston, young. Can you confuse a young quarterback with that kind of defense? And Cleveland. That's the answer, I think. Cleveland. So you got Joe Flacco with his 13 touchdowns and eight picks. No, it's not about Joe Flacco. 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 It's about their defense. You know, because like you always say, defense travels. You know, so Cleveland's defense is even better. Giving up 20 points. Yeah, but their defense is still better than Baltimore's. And, and yes, by the way, Cleveland did win in Baltimore, by the way. You know, now granted, that was Deshaun Watson, but Cleveland did win in Baltimore, so it's not unheard of. Yeah, but it's unheard of when they still had Nick Chubb that game. No. That was, that was pre-posted Chubb injury? Yes, that was post-Chubb. Because Baltimore was actually up. By I want to say thirteen or so. I heard, I heard a stat. I think it might have been Rich Eisen, but I could be wrong. But I'm, I'm, I'm gonna give credit to Rich Eisen. Maybe it was first things first. But Baltimore had the lead in every game up until like this last game, I believe. I'm not sure exactly what the last game like that. But they had a lead in the final two minutes. Of every game they had played, yeah they, didn't, yeah, they didn't have the lead in this game. Everybody sat, um, but also, but also, just for the flip side of that, Carolina didn't take one snap this year with the lead with in the, the fourth lead. quarter. Yes, you know, like yeah, but uh, but yeah, I think Cleveland, Cleveland's defense is probably the biggest issue for Baltimore. I don't think anybody's offense is going to be a big enough threat to make Baltimore scramble or feel. But don't you think Baltimore has a bit of a cheat code? Like, I know I, I had, I got, like I said, I got to admit where I was wrong. And I've I seen Lamar Jackson not perform in the playoffs if that's where you were going to go. At home, though, have you seen it? I mean, I think no, I think, I, think most of them have been, I think most of them have been on the road. I think they, like, might, they haven't been the number one seed. No, I know. Th- I remember a playoff game they lost at Buffalo. Uh, I remember the playoff game they won yeah. at Tennessee. And at I think Tennessee, that was the same year. I think that was the same year. They beat Tennessee, lost to Buffalo the next week. I think they might have lost at when they were number one seed. Maybe he's it's the year. He's been injured, you know, the last couple of seasons, so we haven't been able to see it. Correct. I just, he, I, just uh, I just think like the Cleveland, the Cleveland pick. Is a is a two fiveism of a pick. No, I'm not picking Cleveland to beat them. I'm not picking no, Cleveland to beat them. I'm just saying that, that you would articulate the fact that you think they could because their defense travels. It's like that's just Mike. But it's, well, it's, I mean, it's but the beauty of your brain the that, that you don't that you don't just take you know. So, like, so, oh, I'm not going to take everything for face value. I'm gonna dig deeper. I'm digging on the surface. So I figured that would be the. I figured Cleveland or Buffalo would be the two teams. Well, Buffalo would, would just be me being biased, but you know what I mean. But like, so so like, look, this is the thing. Josh Allen can beat anybody. Josh Allen can lose to anybody. So, like, I wouldn't trust him against Baltimore's defense after I saw what they did to Brock Purdy, for example. So it would be hard for me to think that Josh Allen could go into Baltimore and engineer a victory. So conversely to that, like, I don't know what Cleveland's defense would be able to do because eventually – the way the way most co- most games go, I won't say most, but if you think about it, you got two teams that are good defensively. One team might be better offensively than the other. Mm-hmm. Cleveland is definitely the inferior offense to Baltimore. Right, right. John Harbaugh is a smart coach. 
So he'll punt it, maybe pin him deep inside the inside the 20. Maybe a sack, maybe a negative play, a hold gets him to 12 or 11. They punt it back to you. You get it at your 45. You move it a little bit more. You get a Justin Tucker field goal, kickoff. Now you got three points on the board. It's not much, but Cleveland hasn't moved the ball at all. Or Buffalo hasn't moved the ball at all. And then Baltimore, you're pressing because you're not, you're only down 3-0. But you want to get a good drive in because you don't want to punt it back to them. I saw and the they, Colts go to Baltimore and win this year. Yo, yeah, I saw, but I saw Atlanta beat the Colts. I'm not putting Atlanta against Baltimore. I know that's what I'm saying. Anything can happen. You could double all the money in your 401k, your life insurance, and your bank account right now. If you think Atlanta can beat Baltimore, I'm like Cleveland also has a Miles Garrett that nobody else has, you know. And and when you look at it, you know, they have the division rivalry. So they would, you know, there's familiarity with Baltimore and with each other. You know, so so but so. The, I, yeah, but when I look at everybody else, so Flacco but, didn't see Baltimore. But when I look at everybody else, you know, when I look at Miami, I don't trust Tua this late in the year. You know, like that's just me. You know, um, Kansas City, you like you said, they don't have the wide receivers, so Patrick Mahomes would literally have to put the team on his back to beat Baltimore. Yeah, and, there's there's nothing about Kansas City's wide receiver core that will make Baltimore do anything right i don't see cj stroud as a rookie going into baltimore and winning you know i don't see i don't think their run game is consistent enough to keep baltimore's defense honest you know if i'm looking at buffalo like i said josh allen is like the gift and the curse you know so i'm not even considering that right now like i might feel different if they actually match up but right now i can't see that pittsburgh they beat baltimore early in the season with kenny pickett you know, they beat them this week with no starters. So, but that's a weird stat that Pittsburgh is 2 0 against Baltimore. They're year. 5 and 1 in the division. It doesn't make any sense. The, the division, all Don't everybody's above 500. Pittsburgh turn, went 5 and 1. Turn the recording off and explain to me how that's a fact. <laughs> <laughs> that makes no sense to me. You Pittsburgh's know, 5 uh, 1 in the division? Yes. Their only loss was to Cleveland. Why the hell do I ever pick against Mike Tomlin? They wanted to fire him four weeks ago, by the way. <laughs> I know. And then they so wanted then, him fired. Who does that leave? Is that everybody or did I miss a team? I think that's everybody. That's so, everybody. Yeah, yeah. So so Cleveland, when I add it all up, the best unit left on the teams that are not Baltimore is Cleveland's defense. That's the best unit left. But unless, that, unless, they, unless so, but if you, you want to say it, Miami's offense. I mean, but that's the thing. What you're doing is like you're taking Baltimore just flat, and then you're picking out of the other six teams what the best thing about what the other six teams do that could impact Baltimore. Well, no, there's the there's problem. Two, there's three quarterbacks that I don't trust. I don't trust Stroud because he's a rookie, even though he's good. I don't trust him in a moment like that. I don't trust like that's what I'm saying. So, like what you're taking is like here's Baltimore, here's a complete team. And you're like, you're using your your mostly your argument, your narrative, but it's like, I think Cleveland's defense can do this against Baltimore, and I think Buffalo playing at their best offensively could do this to Baltimore. But that's the thing, Baltimore is so good, and they've shown it in these big games. I think it was probably they probably had the biggest 
bonus and biggest bump in psyche and advantage over each conference when they got to play San Francisco late in the season when everyone had San Francisco pegged as the Super Bowl champ and Miami late in the season when everyone had them pegged to be a viable threat to make the Super Bowl in AFC. And they beat them both by, I mean, like 100 to 40, <laughs> something like that. Yeah, so they beat Miami 56 to 19. 19. And, and I think they put 13, something like that. So yeah. they put up, you know, 90, damn near 90 points in a couple of weeks. Their quarterback went from a third or fourth in our MVP race to the odds and winner. So, I so, so basically, long story short, Baltimore to the Super Bowl. Baltimore to the Super Bowl. But it's a, it's a lazy argument, but I don't see realistically. I think the holes that the other teams have can't be compensated for by the things that make them solid. I don't think the Kansas City defense can make up for the fact that the wide receiver core hasn't been a threat all year. Right. I don't think the Buffalo defense can make up for the fact that Josh Allen might throw up a Hail Mary in the first quarter. Right. Adam. Yeah, those picks that he threw the other night were just disgusting. Like, that's something yeah. that – But then like, he threw it back. He did the same thing. He threw a bomb to uh, Stephon Diggs. So there's nothing on film right. that tells him don't do that right, because right. I, did it, I did it and it worked. So Yeah. yeah. All right, that, so switching it up. So switching it up, who's the biggest threat to San Francisco? Biggest threat to San Francisco, I would say Dallas. I would say Dallas because I think CeeDee Lamb, he had a touchdown pass, touchdown reception in the last nine games. Um, I believe, like I said, we had this conversation earlier about Joe Burrow or Dak. It gave you my opinion. Uh, I think Dallas, and people can talk about playoff history, whatever the case may be. I just think when you put them on the field, if Dallas can get the Brock Purdy because Dallas has – the personnel to get the Brock Purdy. I'm not saying like if it's a team like uh like Tampa Bay. I don't know if Tampa Bay has the the defensive personnel to rattle Brock Purdy. But I can say if Tampa Bay can get some pressure on Brock Purdy, yeah, of course. If you get pressure on anybody, if you can get Brock Purdy off his spot, bro, if you can get him to go to his third read, yeah, every single quarterback, if you make them wait there for four seconds while four dudes who weigh 290 pounds plus are trying to fucking tackle them, yeah, they might get a little rattled. But I think Dallas really has like the personnel to make that happen in a realistic framework of the game. That two and a half, three second, where you got to get the ball out. I got Demarcus Lawrence in his lap. I got Michael Parsons coming over his shoulder. I got uh, you know Bland really pressing the quarterbacks. I mean the, the wide receivers. So I think Dallas. Granted, it'll be on the road. That it should be tough, but I would say Dallas probably has the biggest threat because I don't think Dallas has a hole. So if both teams bring their their A game, and then Dallas makes a makes the extra play or the extra two plays, it could be the difference between losing twenty seven to twenty one or winning 27 to 20, but I think Dallas has that kind of person. I think everybody else would have to like, they, they would need a little bit more, a little bit more luck. They would need a block punt. They would need a fake punt. I'm having a two a five holding call. I'm having like a that. two five moment because I think Dallas is the correct answer as well. 
um, just based on history and what we've seen recently. Uh, two years in the playoffs, San Francisco beat Dallas in Dallas 23-17. to That was the game where Dak didn't spike the ball or he didn't give the ball to the ref or didn't whatever it was. Ball to the ref, yeah. You know, last year. Um, Guys are blatantly say, doing enough. Have you watched in the game yeah, situation yeah. now? Guys are looking for like. Yeah. yeah. I think now, I think if I remember correctly, when they played last year, I want to say it was 12 to nine for most of the game. Tony Pollock got hurt. And then I think San Francisco scored a touchdown late, maybe and uh, put it away. Um, or Dallas actually had a chance, I think, with the ball. They had a last possession, but they were at their own 10. As time was running out, but um, so Dallas is probably the answer, but just to be different, so we're not saying the same stuff. uh, I'm gonna go with Detroit. You know, um, I think that feel like the Rams are. uh, Hold on, hold on, stop snitching. We ain't there yet. We ain't there yet. Stop snitching. Sound like Rob Parker. Stop (laughs) it. You know, said what's his word? Uh. That was Meshuggah right there. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> like, no, hold on. What's my favorite card game? Bullshit. You know what I'm saying? It's logical. <laughs> like, hold up. Like, hold on. We gonna keep going. I got, keep going. I got to grab something real quick. But yeah, keep going. We gonna, we going to get there. I'm just saying that when I look at it, Sean McVay and Shanahan know each other pretty well. For the most part, Shanahan owns McVay. You know, uh, McVay won the NFC Championship game a couple of years ago. He won the uh, game the other day with Carson Wentz against Sam Darnold. But McVay is 5-10 and 10 now against Kyle Shanahan. You know, when I look at Philly, if they're whole and regular, they obviously would be the answer to this question. But we know that Philly is not what we know Philly to be going off of last season. So I couldn't in good faith say them. I can't pick a team, and I know he's played good this year, but I can't pick a team with Baker Mayfield to threaten San Francisco. You know, um, I can't look at uh, – I'm trying to think who else is it. Green Bay. I can't look at Green Bay because I feel that San Francisco would fluster Jordan Love. You know, even though he's been playing well as of late, finished the season with 32 touchdowns, 11 interceptions. I just feel like he's early in his career to think that he could walk up into San Francisco and get a victory. So when I look at Detroit, it's a team that San Francisco hasn't played this year. It's a team that there used to be this thing, you know, I was watching wrestling back in the day and, you know, before I knew it was like fake and all that stuff, you would have the dude like Shawn Michaels fighting against the undertaker or something clearly outmatched. And the announcer would say something like, He's got more brains and heart than he's, or he's got more heart than he got brains. You know, he's just going to keep going at it. He's so resilient. That's how I feel about Detroit. Dan Campbell doesn't know he should fear San Francisco. You know what I mean? He doesn't know that San Francisco is the big bully on the block because he bites kneecaps. You know, he does. He has Jared Goff, who has played against San Francisco and had success. You know, he has the ultimate weapon, in my opinion. Jameer Gibbs. So going back to the Cleveland thing, Cleveland has the best defense, you know, or whatever. Like, I think Detroit has the best weapon to where if they were to play against San Francisco, they have the X factor that could make San Francisco sweat some. You know, um, when I look at San Francisco, 
The only question that I have about San Francisco is the same question that I had last year. Can Brock Purdy do this? Like, he's obviously a good quarterback. He's obviously proven himself over the course of a season. Playoffs are just a little bit different, you know? And we talked about it last year when he played, you know, that's when we first started our show. Um, You know, they were playing against Seattle, and I think it was you. know, one-year anniversary pretty soon, right? Yeah, the 27th. The 27th, yeah. You said you said that uh Brock Purdy was winning these games, but he didn't go nowhere. Like it was all in California. It yeah, was everything all, was like, in Cali, yeah. He yeah, they played the Raiders, the West- like you know, yeah. Like yeah, they, were, they were in the western they were in the western uh time zone. Yeah, so the good games. news is so the good news is they have home field advantage. And they'll stay out west. So they're gonna stay out west. Um rolls in Vegas. <laughs> You know, I know that uh, Christian McCaffrey has the calf strain, so he'll have some time to rest up, you know. But what if a team is effective in slowing him down? Can Brock Purdy make the throw game on the line? Okay. I'm or, I'm or, I want to check something to kind of support that argument. Or can he be J.J. McCarthy and just make, you know, as they said in the hot box, Make the throws when it matters, like Shaq hitting the free throws when it counts, even though they all count. Can Brock Purdy yeah. make that throw or lead that drive with their backs against the wall? He hasn't had to do it a lot this year in that type of way in a playoff setting. Because Balt, like when when I look at their losses, Baltimore dominated them. Uh, Cincinnati pretty much dominated them. Um, Cleveland, they lost because they missed the last second field goal, but that but was that scored 17 points. But so that was like, that Cleveland it was defense. Bad, it was bad weather. Yeah, but that was that Cleveland, Cleveland defense, defense that I was telling you about. You know what I mean? Uh, and the Vikings, I've, I watched that game. They could not not convert on third down. Yeah, and, and that was third just uh, Jordan. Killing them on third down. That catch that Jordan Addison had, you know, for the long touchdown, that, that was something that you couldn't recreate. Yeah, and they only lost by five. That's what yeah. I, that's what I was looking at. It was like because Nick Wright on first things first makes his argument about Brock Purdy, and he's he's a smart guy. Shout out to Nick Wright, first things first. But what he does, he's such a smart guy that he'll make like the argument, not less, not like the hater argument like Skip Bayless would make, where like a guy could score fifty five points in a basketball game. And go twenty set or twenty for thirty two, and Skip Bayless to say something like, "Well, he missed twelve shots." Like, yo, he scored fifty five points. We're like, well, am I am I wrong? Did he not miss twelve shots? Was he not open on those shots? And focus <laughs> on like the fact that this guy missed twelve shots and lose right. the fact that this guy scored fifty five points. What Nick Wright was doing with Brock Purdy, and I think they were trying to tell him on the show is that I think early on his argument was. Wait until Brock Purdy is the reason they lose a game. And then they lost some games. And it's like, yo, it happens. You lose games. Right. So he's like, well, I want to see him come back from a double-digit deficit in the second half. And then they went on like a five-game run where they were just dominating. Like, I think from that point, it was – that was like the the Jaguars game because he's really big on the Prince that was promised and Trevor Lawrence. Excuse me. Uh (coughs) Uh-huh. So – San Francisco beat the forty, the Buccaneers by thirteen. They won by eighteen over San or Seattle. They beat the Eagles forty-two to nineteen. 
They beat the Seahawks again 28-16. They beat the Cardinals 45-29. to So that one, two, three, four. So every week, so one, two, three, four, five, six weeks, his argument was, let's see him do it when he's down in the second half. And everyone's like, well, if he plays so well in the first half, he's never going to be down in the second half. Right. And that's the thing is like when they're up, they're up because they have a talented team and he makes sure that injuries runs. The reason when they're not up in the second is like NFL games don't go possession, possession, touchdown, 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 touchdown. But if one team gets hot, like Minnesota, they, they were converting on third down. Kirk Cousins was killing them on third down. You can't get off the field. Like you can kill in a realistic drive if you play it properly. You can kill like two and a half to three minutes and your normal, a normal first and 10, you run the ball, you're burning off 40 seconds, 40 seconds, 40 seconds. Then you maybe you look up and get a first down. So that's what they were doing in Minnesota. They only scored 22 points. You know, so I think it's just this narrative that Brock Purdy needs to like show you they can come from behind, but. Right. When and I don't think on, he does. He doesn't need to do that he, for me. I'm just asking. Yeah, when he's on, he's on. And yeah. I think he's on because they as a collective are on. I don't, and right. I don't want to say it's going to be Baltimore, San Francisco, Super Bowl, because I think that's kind of boring. Because and, and to think that with all the, you know, the 14 teams involved, it's like it's kind of a lazy kind of like assessment. I just don't see anything that the other teams do that I can pull out that like this team is definitely going to beat Baltimore. I just think Dallas has the propensity to do it because the way they play up front and with Gilmore and Bland, I just think that that clock that quarterbacks have, we talked about Michael Penix and we talked about quarterbacks, not, you know, not like move off their spot. If I get a good pass rush and I have two guys that play great man to man coverage, because even like cover three, essentially if you run a go Ross man to man, cover two for like 10 to 12 yards mm-hmm. is like man on. So that's, that's your two and a half seconds right there. All right. I so, mean, so two more questions and then we'll wrap this up and then we'll get to the game. We'll predict the games on Thursday. So leave my, correct. leave my Rams thing alone. We'll save that for Thursday. All right. So uh, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know what you're talking about. Exactly. Exactly. Mom's the word. <laughs> Mom's the word. All right. The word. So, so we look, so we sitting up here in early February. And Baltimore's not in the Super Bowl. Why? What would be the reason for their downfall? So we're in Super Bowl week and Baltimore's not in it. Yeah. And don't I mean it can't be nothing like yo Lamar got hurt. Like, no, no, yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna say. Kadarius Tony got a punt return and he was open on a lot of third downs and Kansas City just kept the ball. Okay. Cause I just is it has to it has to be something like that. Or I, I want to say Buffalo, but Stephon Diggs hasn't I think he's averaged like 40 yards a game. He had 87 the other night. Uh, he, but he didn't have eight. a touchdown, but he didn't have a touchdown. But I don't think he had more than 50, 55 yards for the previous four. Yeah, games it was something like 39 30. and a half yards or 39 something. that, like 39.4, yeah. or something crazy something like, like that. that. Yeah. Like, so, yeah, so um, 
It had to, it had to be something like that, like one of these games where you get either Miami beats Kansas City, and they just figure out a way, taking their game plan they had where they just lost and scrapping it and doing whatever worked because they it was close. It was like fourteen thirteen, mm-hmm. right? So mm-hmm. just multiplying and extrapolating whatever worked to get them to that point and sticking to that. But other than that, man, it would have to be just, it would have to be Baltimore mistakes. For me, I think it's like, if, and of course the big if, right. You know, if if, uh, if it was a fifth, we all be drunk. Right. Exactly. Um, If you could somehow channel Buffalo from Arrowhead, the overtime game, if you could channel Buffalo, Buffalo versus Baltimore a couple of years ago. Yeah, if you could channel Josh Allen playing against I don't know, I'm trying to think of the Raiders versus playing against the Ravens, then they he's good enough I think to send Baltimore home. But I just can't trust the field and he, and in his mind you can convince him that those are red Kansas City Chiefs jerseys and not black or purple, whatever they're going to wear at home, Baltimore Ravens, because he plays top-notch football versus the Chiefs. He plays great against Miami. You got to convince him, like, yo, dog, this is just like playing against the Chiefs at Arrowhead. The but other if thing... Think, if he thinks that that is Baltimore, because they're going to get, they're going to send people from everywhere at him on different the, plays. The, the other thing that came to mind, and this is such a two-five sentence, because nobody Let's would ever, nobody would ever think or say Wait this. Let's go. A team might have to force Odell Beckham to beat him. Cause stop him. Cause obviously the key that is, is that is that is that is so you to well, make, I mean, think about something like well, this. Cause well, I'm thinking like <laughs> well, obviously you would think the key is we gotta slow Baltimore's run game down. Don't know if you can fully stop it because Lamar's element of the run game. So you gotta slow down Baltimore's run game. Now, you don't want Zay Flowers to get loose. You know, crossing routes, slants, you know, he could take it to the house on you. You know, so you're going to do, I would think you're going to do something to try to limit him in the passing game, him being your focus. Yeah. You know, so so does Odell have vintage Odell inside of him? I think it might be it might be some routes they know that they can run with him. Yeah, and I mean he's had good games this year. I'm not trying to make it sound like he yeah. hasn't had good games this year. He was but very polarizing for like two years. All people yeah. talked about was him. But but he like but he didn't have that. He doesn't have any catches that stand out this year besides the one on uh, Thursday night football. Um, I I just can can he can he be the reliable receiver? That depends on how many times you go to that well. Because right. Zay Flowers, they'll get him the ball on jet sweeps. Right, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, passes. they'll get him. They'll get it to him. They'll go shotgun pro formation with two, like with a running back to Lamar's right, and then Zay Flowers to his left, and just give him the ball in space and just have him on a linebacker right. for you know it's third and eight, you know because he's that dynamic. But I think if he gets off, then Odell in the post route. Because of his footwork, right, and the way he can run routes, they'll bury you. Yo, know, if you go zero coverage and you you man him up on a safety or something crazy like that, or you go cover one, and he can get to the corner. Just he's too dynamic in space 
to All just right. do that. And I that think, yeah, I think I think that's the piece because his hands are always reliable. He's not a drop pass guy. He's not like like I said, MVS. I have if I'm a defensive coordinator, I'm perfectly good with whatever corner I have matched up with him one on one. Even if it's but, Eli but, Apple, I don't even care. Even if, yeah, even, but as long <laughs> as I have, as long as I have a safety over top, I don't trust any corner in zero coverage because I'm like Patrick Mahomes talked about this in the Super Bowl when Philly won zero coverage and they threw that touchdown to Sky Moore to the left when he motioned them in because they did the same thing when Kadarius Tony caught a touchdown. And he's talked about it on quarterback on the Netflix special. He was like, I saw they were in zero coverage. So it must be something that like, I'm not a quarterback. I've never been a professional quarterback. It must be something that he knew like, okay, the, this guy can't, they're not passing it off because we're, we're inside the 10. So I'm a motion sky more in and send him on a little out route. So I think it's so tough to be in, in zero coverage with no safety help. But if you put a safety over top, I trust my corner with MVS. I still don't trust my guy with Odell Beckham because I think he's healthy. He hasn't been overworked. He probably hasn't gotten hit a lot. He probably hasn't missed games for anything. Because like those years with the Giants and even you know with LA, he was constantly getting targeted. He was running hard routes, trying to. I think in Baltimore, it's been a lot of like, all right, save it. We'll get you open. All right, so if we wake up in February and San Francisco's not in the Super Bowl, what happened? Kyle Shanahan. Okay. I think. Sounds like a Falcon fan to me. True. (laughs) I mean, listen, NRG Stadium just reminded me last night. I just think that he's one of those coaches that has. I think he knows. He's probably forgotten more about football than I'll ever know. But that can also make you think that on this third and two, I shouldn't just give it straight up to Debo or McCaffrey or uh, Mitchell. Just run it. I just have a feeling where it would be some kind of fake here, fake here, roll out, Purdy, Kittle on the flat, ball gets tipped, intercepted. Like I just think like those kind of plays, those simple let's just use our physical advantage over whomever they're playing to just get this six feet. I think he'll, he'll make that mistake. Mm-hmm. Normally he'll do that when the team is reeling. He did it with Jimmy G in the Super Bowl, where it's like that. I believe Kittle was wide open on a third and two. And I don't think that was the, the missed touchdown pass. No, it was the interception. Kittle was wide open on like a third and two, and he threw it to the left, and it got intercepted. And that's essentially how Kansas City wrapped up that Super Bowl. In my mind, I'm like, you you killed him with the run all the whole first half. I think there was somewhere near 200 yards rushing. Like it was like 160 yards rushing in the first half, at least the first three quarters. And in that moment, you don't call a run play. I think that will be their downfall because someone's going to play him tight. Dallas is going to play him tight. You just go out like Indianapolis, huh? <laughs> you know, uh, and then real quick uh, before we move on, um, thoughts about Mike Vrabel? This is the funny thing about Mike Vrabel. Um, 
I chime into a couple of podcasts that talk about, you know, what's the Chris Eisen show, Colin Cowherd, First Things First, Little Odd Couple, and then you and I have our conversation. I also talk to my pops. No one's talked about Arthur Smith getting fired, and no one's talked about Ron Rivera getting fired. Like, I haven't seen a segment yet. I've been well, flipping through. Maybe, maybe there has been one. Well, Ron Rivera but, got fired on Thanksgiving. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, like we, we just had right. to get to the formality. He's been on the job and they, they've been paying him just in the basement with a staple. Yeah, like, it's like, it's like that states. episode of Seinfeld where uh, George Costanza was supposed to have a job interview. Um, he had a job interview. Then the guy that um, was going to hire him or make the decision went on vacation. So he just started showing up to work. And like they gave him an office and everything, like you know, that's Ron Rivera right now, or that was Ron Rivera. As far as Arthur Smith goes, I but, am. But, a, but we'll stay on. We'll stay on I, I know, but I, just, I, I am a little up. shocked that Arthur Blank fired him just because that doesn't seem like Arthur Blank doesn't seem like he, you know, he's not a he's not Jerry Jones. He doesn't just fire you. Yeah, but like I said, I I've, I've talked to you, and I'm a Falcons fan, and I'm a fan of football. I don't think he knew what he was doing. Right, 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 right. It just not the evidence didn't support that you knew how to get the best out of this week, let alone next year. And I could be wrong. I could be a little locked in because you know I got the the, the towel, got the hat, I got the jerseys. I've been a fan since. Since the goddamn Bush was the first Bush was president, <laughs> since like the since it's, you know the first Gulf War, like I've been a fan for a long time, but we've had conversations, and I've talked about this with uh, about many coaches. Like I said, we talk about Staley, we'll talk about Josh McDaniels, um, even to an extent John Gruden. It's like I don't know if you can articulate what you if you know what you're doing or not. And I think yeah. Arthur Smith just didn't really get that because, like, it was so many times throughout the year was like, stop benching Ritter. Figure out a way to make it work with the highly touted, you know, quarterback we took in the third round and not the free agent guy we just grabbed in March. The career backup. Just to keep – just to take him out and put Ritter back in. It's like, so what are you, what are you doing? Like, you should have just left him in there. I'd rather you ride and die with Ritter for 17 games and go seven and ten, but have him grow. Right. But you keep taking him in and out. Like I said, in the, this is an analogy I use in our conversation this, this whole week. It's like this. I'm a man. I got three sons. I got a little daughter. I've changed a tire on a car before. But say I've only done it once or twice. And now we got to change the tire in the driveway. And I'm standing over these two young men. My two youngest sons. My oldest son's an engineering brain. He can figure it out without my help. My two youngest sons, they're trying to figure out how to change his tire. I'm like, listen, I'm going to teach you this is a valuable skill you have to have. But I really don't know all the nuance to change an tire to the point where I can articulate it clearly to where they can hear what I have to say and be confident in that and then just go act on it. But I know what the process looks like. I know things you have to do to get the tire off, but I don't know why I can't articulate it like smoothly. That's what I feel like Arthur Smith and Desmond Ritter's relationship was. It was like, I don't know if you're telling him or showing him on film. When I call this deep post route, 
this is why when he gets to here, you got to throw it. Because in cover two, this safety, like, so if I'm Desmond Ritter and I'm sitting in the film session and you tell me, like, yeah, listen, if we get this cover four look, I want you to throw this route. Look this way, but throw this route because of X, Y, and Z. This is why it's going to work. Not because he's open. I don't understand that piece if I'm Desmond Ritter because, like, I want to throw it to the open guy. I don't know why you feel like he's open or he's a decoy and the check down is a bad idea. And I think he looks, looks, and hits the check down because I don't know if he knows or been explained. This is why you should throw this route. We talk about Tyler Heineke. Tyler Heineke will throw it, but he also will throw it to the other team and or fumble it once or twice a game. Mm-hmm. So so when if you talk to Arthur Smith, it's like, if I can see that as a fan, and even the fans that I read the comments on Facebook, it's the same thing. It's not a matter of like, oh, he's an idiot, he's stupid, lost a locker room, like all that hyperbole. It's like, yo, like, is anyone going to get better offensively? How come we can't score any points? Why are we always losing games to this team? How come we can't do this? It's like the same questions a realistic right. owner or GM would have. It's like, yo, why haven't we scored more than 35 points? Why have we lost to four or five teams that are picking in the top ten? Picking ahead of us in the top ten in the draft. <laughs> we're yeah, at we're at eight. We got we lost to teams that are picking ahead of us. Chicago's got ten. They've earned ten. So, but if we beat Chicago, Washington at two, Arizona at four or five, Tennessee's in the in the top eight. Yeah, just disrespectful. But to back to Tennessee. Uh, so Vrabel, Mike Vrabel, you know. 54 and 45 as the Tennessee Titans coach, which I find to be impressive if we just look at the list of quarterbacks that he's trotted out there. You know, Ryan Tannehill, rookie Will Levis, Malik Willis. I remember last year, remember he uh he didn't walk they, Malik Willis at all. Yeah, they played Kansas City on I think it was last season. They played Kansas City on Sunday night. Football. 16 passes. Yeah, Mahomes threw 61, and they lost that game 17 to 14. Yeah, because he didn't want Malik Willis. Yeah, so I've always advocated that if Bill Belichick were to get the boot from New England, that Vrabel, I felt, would be the perfect replacement for him. I think that's the absolute worst replacement for him. I think think you keep the culture, you know, and you get a better coach at this point. No, I wouldn't do it. I think it's bad for New England, and I think it's bad for Mike Vrabel for him to try to coach New England if they get rid of Bill Belichick. You don't, don't want to be the guy that follows the legend. The legend. You don't want to yeah. follow the legend. One, Why would it be bad for New England? It'd be bad for New England because they're going to expect him to bring that championship pedigree that he he earned and, and garnered and fought for as a player. They're going to want him to extrapolate that time that he had as a player into his position as a coach. But the roster doesn't fit and of course, that transition. So then he's going to get how many years? How many years do you get? With that, because not like he had a great roster in Tennessee. He didn't put together a great roster in Tennessee. Well, I mean, he's not like he was given one. He's not (laughs) so. I mean, he was up twenty-four to nothing at Arrowhead in an AFC Championship game. No, that wasn't him. Houston was up twenty-four. Oh no, that was the year before. That was that was the Sean Watson. Yeah, that was the Sean Watson. The week after. That was the week after. Yeah, ten. They were up like that's what it was. That's what it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, that's what I'm saying. So it's. You're gonna 
because everyone's trying to attach a branch to Bill Belichick's coaching tree and put Vrabel's name on it. And it was like, yo, he's not in his coaching tree. He's a former player. It's so the same thing. Right. Like Teddy Bruschi right. having a job. Right. If I was Vrabel, I'm going to Las, Las Vegas. I'm going to Los Angeles. That's it. That those, those only two jobs I'm even looking at. If you want to be a head coach, because I'm not going to Atlanta. I mean, they have talent there, but it's just something. About, I mean, maybe Atlanta. I would say Atlanta's third. If I had to pick three, you know, your dream sheet. I go Chargers, Raiders, Atlanta. The Raiders would be second because I believe the players really want Antonio Pierce. But Vrabel being a former player, I think he could bring that same kind of former player head coach energy to the locker room. Whereas you have guys like Brandon Staley couldn't. Arthur Smith couldn't. They couldn't bring that 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 moxie as a former player. I think Washington's a bad job. I think Carolina's a bad job. Uh, what's the other one? Because we had six, right? Somebody else got fired in um, season. Raiders, Chargers. So we had three all-season firings. That was Atlanta. Carolina, it was Carolina, Chargers, Raiders. All were Raiders in season. And then yeah. Washington, Washington Atlanta, Atlanta, and Tennessee. Uh, Tennessee. Yeah, so Tennessee obviously wouldn't be an option for him. Yeah, it wouldn't be. Uh, yeah, so I, I don't know. Like, I've always been of the opinion, and this is just, you know, I guess the old school in me that hasn't adapted, but good jobs and bad jobs are relative. You can make a bad job a good job. You can make a good job a bad job. You know, uh, the same way that we talk about, like, free agents. You know, like, why would why don't they consider the Hawks or whatever? You know, it's like, because Atlanta's not a good franchise. And it's like, yeah, but if you put him next to Trey Young, that's a good team. You know, yeah, whatever. Cleveland wasn't a good franchise until they drafted this kid out of Akron. They still ain't a good, they still weren't a good franchise. You know, they just had him. But yeah, that's what least, I'm saying. At least but the restaurants were packed. But that's what but that's what I'm saying, though. Like, so like a team like Washington, you know, um, under new ownership, Daniel Snyder's new gone. ownership might help. And they you do have I mean? a little bit of a buzz and talent. Yeah, got a little bit of talent. So uh, like all you need is, I feel, a coach that commands respect. Because when I look at Ron Rivera, I think he had respect initially, and there was always the answer. Rep- got him two more years. Yeah, and there was always and there was always uh, talk and reports about how he was changing the culture and. You know, like it was a better place to work, you know, all that kind of stuff. But then you still got Jonathan Allen coming out here talking about like, yo, I'm sick of this shit. Like, you know, I couldn't imagine a Patriot player doing that. You know what I mean? Uh, well, Mac Jones tried to get outside help and they basically ostracized him. That's different, though. He wasn't in the media talking about this is or at a press conference talking about I'm done with this. This has been going listen, on too long. You and all can't interview. Like I don't listen. I my oldest son, when he played varsity football his senior year in high school, it's about a seven-minute drive from the high school parking lot to Wawa. If they lost the game, I just kept playing my music. I drive to Wawa. I walk into Wawa. I get two honey buns for $2. 
I come out, I hand him the honey bun, he opens it, he takes one or two bites, and then he started talking about the game. It takes a while for guys to like be able to have these conversations. Right. You can't run up on a guy while he's still in the locker room, probably looking across at a guy who he feels like didn't give his all in the game that he's losing, right. or a coach that walked by that didn't give his all. He was like, what do you think of the game? I'm sick of this because he's like looking at he's looking at this dude. He's yeah, looking yeah, at that yeah. guy. You talk to him in his car or you do a Zoom with him Monday morning. The answer might be a little different. Like I said, I didn't say anything to my son until he took that second bite of the honey bun. Second bite, we can have our conversation. I didn't say anything to him because I knew I knew it was eating him up. But you see these guys in the locker room, it's like, oh, yeah, I, I feel terrible, whatever, whatever. Yeah, um, and, and, and that's probably not I, a bad job, though. Like, and, and I, and I, I think, feel you. I but that's why I think culture comes in. Time. Yeah. Because well, I know earlier this year you were talking about how you thought that uh, McDermott was going to get fired, you know, um, mm-hmm. with the way things were going in Buffalo. And, and then the 9-11 thing came out. Yeah, I, I mean, granted he, granted, he went way off kilter there but that bullet. something worked you know what i mean if he if they would have lost three out of four he would have been gone you know but but that's the thing is that you need somebody did something who, work or did they just are they just a good team that started playing like regular football they're a good team that started playing regular football but they okay. just needed to be recentered i think you know he's still, what, he, i think he's still in line to what, get what these franchises what these franchises need is a two five you know say they need I a dance they need a Dan Campbell. They need somebody that will just tell the truth, no matter who likes it or who doesn't. They need who somebody will, at the table. They need somebody. Yeah, at they that need a grown up that will who, say who will hold people accountable. Yeah, like just in, the, especially in the management meetings. I think, like I, I'll use an example that I got from uh, a former supervisor, Marsar Mora, and he told me I was, I was going to production work on the flight line. He said, "Listen." It's tough because I was new. I'm new. I was new to the career field because I retrained late. He's like, it's gonna be tough for you to earn like people's respect. But he's like, ultimately, if you're not in some kind of argument with leadership, being like the upper management of production once a week, you're not doing your job. I was right. like, what? He was like, there's no way they can see. And he's like, it doesn't have to be a big argument. Just they tell you to do something, and you tell them no, and this is why because you're out here. So it was like if I got four four engine guys and I need three of them to work one job, minimum of three, and that leaves me one guy, and they call and say, hey, we need you to look at this AP on another jet, and I need two guys to do that. And I'm like, I only have four guys. So I got these four guys on this one job because that takes a minimum of three. The, the one guy by himself is no good to me. They're going to grind this out until lunch. And then after lunch, if we can get to it, I'll move two guys over to this APU. But like, if you're not saying at least that, and you're trying to pull two guys from there and getting the crew chiefs to stand ground, like, and you're trying to make all this stuff happen, it was like, you're never going to earn the respect of the guys on the line because they expect you to give them good direction. Right. And I think sometimes as a coach, you just got to be able to give good direction. Some some of these guys have been blessed with just having this these talented players. Like Nick Wright said something about uh, you know, Josh Allen today. He was like, he's one of the most physically imposing quarterbacks you have in the league right now. From just the the size, speed combination, what he can do is like it should be easy to figure out how to make 
the offense successful when you have a guy with that kind of dynamic. Where if you're a team like Indianapolis, Gardner Minshew's not fast. He's not big. He's not strong. So you really have to, like, get into the X's and O's of, like, getting this route, getting this play call in. Some of these guys telling them why he throws it there. (laughs) Why you throw it there. Like, I need you, I need you to know why this, these routes, these are your only two options on this play. These two guys are the decoys. This is where you need to go with the ball. This is read number one. This is read number two. If not, tuck it, get four yards and slide. Like, that's the kind of information you need. Um, I think there's some coaches in the playoffs that probably won't lose their jobs, but they probably could have been on the verge. I still think Pittsburgh will will probably entertain the idea of moving off of Tomlin if they have a bunch of yes men in the room that say, you know, you know, he hasn't really gotten the job done. Yeah, he has lost. He hasn't had a losing season, but they can have their negative two. They, could, they, could, they could say they could say that Super Bowl was damn near fifteen the, years ago. The height of like you know this is what you're gonna get. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I get that, you know, but you know, as I'm advocating I was, for it, but if he wants to go to Chocolate City, aka hey, Atlanta, you know, but uh unless DC is called Chocolate City, which one's called Chocolate City? I think it's Atlanta, right? No, I think uh DC is Chocolate City. DC and New Orleans. I've heard New Orleans called Chocolate City as well. Usually people call Atlanta, I hear them call it the Mecca, you know. Um Okay, we'll take that then. You know, but but yeah, so you know, as we look out throughout the sports landscape, February is almost here. So what that means is the Super Bowl, but also the NBA trade deadline. So there's lots of rumors flying around. You know, me What's and Mr. Lottie wanted heard? to talk about the well, no, I'm gonna start with the stupidest one I heard. Okay, the, stupid, the yeah. stupidest one I heard was Golden State being the dark horse to land Zach Levine. How's that stupid? I just don't see it. Like, so one, you know, what do you mean? But what does that but what does that do for you? He's so you already got dudes that are old and injured, you know, like CP3. Steph gets hurt a lot. You know, he's been healthy this year. Hopefully he stays that way, but he gets hurt a lot. You got Draymond in and out getting suspended. You know, yeah, you, got, dream on. you got Clay not being half of what Clay used to be. You got you know, to so, add a hundred Bitcoin in a deal to trade Draymond. <laughs> so, so adding Levine to that team does what besides score points? Like he's not a defender. You know, he gets hurt just as often as Steph and those guys do. Yo, how do you just get hurt so much playing basketball? I'm not trying to be like an asshole, but it's like. Dog, how you how you lots of soft tissue, man. Lots of soft tissue. How you missing six weeks in basketball without falling? And, and, and when I look at the Bulls, the Bulls are better without him, you know, record wise. You know what I mean? So, like, he hasn't wanted to be there since 2022. Yeah, I don't know why they haven't moved him yet. I just don't they think they should have been moved him. I just don't think Golden State or Los Angeles, you know, would be the places for Zach. They've been in rumors to get him for a couple of years. Like if 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 I were trying to if I was trying to push Zach Levine to a team, I'd get him some culture. Where you got culture? Where's your NBA culture? San Antonio. Heat culture, man. The Heat. With, heat culture. They, the problem with the Heat, the Heat, they use everybody to make this culture work on the floor. In order to get Zach Levine, you got to give up. 
You have to give up guys, and Levine doesn't do what they do when he replaces them. But he also adds an element that they don't necessarily have, you know, because Jimmy Butler can score, but I wouldn't necessarily define him as a shooter or a knockdown shooter. You know, he didn't uh, shoot a lot of threes. I think he's you, like among like these league leaders and and points and things like that. You know, I think he's Bam, on the bottom fifteen percent in three point attempts. Bam is a under five, undersized five. You know, so when I look at it, Levine would make you a little quicker. You know, to take advantage of your lack of stature. You know, he'll knock down some shots as long as you don't have to. I would imagine maybe you give up Tyler Hero. Uh, but you might be able to keep Duncan Robinson. Um, That's the thing is like for some reason I remember when Tyler Hero was was a point of interest in trades last year. Yeah. They were like, no one wants Tyler Hero. I'm like, why not? Like people act as if every guy that's on a trading block has to play great defense. Now this guy's right. a team that plays zero defense. Right. Get a good defensive strategist on your staff, and have him or her design your well, I understand I understand why Portland didn't want Tyler Hero. They already got Anthony Simons. They were going to draft Scoot. They already got Shaden Sharp that they drafted last year. So I understand why Portland didn't want that's working out. You know, I mean, it wasn't going to work out if they got Tyler Hero. <laughs> Never know. Like I say, Mike, Mikel Bridges, he's like the, the, the flagship for that kind of trade success. Right. And I've heard DeJounte um, married to the Knicks. I've heard that recently. I've like I've read articles. It seems like when you type in trade rumors, you get the Lakers. And Brian <laughs> Winhurst was like, "There's no viable, there's no trade value in the players that they have." Rob Palinka should really be like on a hot seat because like everyone thinks he's done a great job, except for you and I. You and I have had this conversation because we have a few Laker guys. Shout out to Black Adam. He's a he's real big on Polinka. He was trying I don't to get think the that they have bad players. I just think that the league they don't have the pieces that right. match the league that they're playing right. in. So in my right. mind, like you have a you have a bad team. It's like if you were like if you were you know drafting an AAU basketball team and you got a bunch of dudes who could play four and five, they can be great post players. But I'm like, where's your ball handler? Where's your where's your guy who's just a scorer? Like, where's your guy that comes off the bench that just gives you energy and buckets? Where's your guy that comes off the bench that that plays your de- plays defense? It's like they have a bunch of guys that all should be on the bench of teams sporadically throughout the league, and they try to make them starters because they have AD and LeBron. Like, Dog, <laughs> you have a bunch of dudes. Like, you have a bunch of guys that have you don't have anyone who gives you the same efficiency and aggressiveness. And and just confidence as like a Jamal Crawford. Well, that, that's like last year. When and I know he's a game a against on six man, but it's like you know when J.R. Smith comes in the game, what it's going to be. You know what Chump came in the game, what was going to be. You know, like now, like the Clippers and guys when they bring Russ in off the bench, you know what it's going to be. Uh, Lou Williams, Grant. I know I'm picking out these great examples, but well, well that's like they last haven't year had LeBron, anything like that for years. When LeBron scored the thirty. In game four against the Nuggets, and you know, Laker fans were going nuts, and I'm like, Y'all know this ain't gonna last, right? Like, yeah, I think he would eat like, like 38, something like that. Because when he gets tired, who's gonna hit the shots? And, and there was another game in that series, maybe game three, where the Lakers came out in the first half and was just hitting everything, 
You know what I mean? It was like, yo, you know, this is not sustainable. Like, you know what I mean? Like they got a hot streak going on, but they don't have one dude that I would like maybe Max Christie this year, but I don't see dudes on it's this not team. A guy, it's not a guy on a that team that I would take if I'm making a trade. I'm not, like, I'd probably, I'd, I'd take, I'd take the phone call from San Antonio if I'm Chicago about some of their young players versus the call from Los Angeles for Zach Levine. Yeah. If I'm Atlanta, I'm taking a call from, I mean, I don't, I don't think OKC is going to make a move and they definitely don't need to jump I don't anywhere. think they should. I don't think they should. But if I, but if they were if I'm the, to make a move, I'll take the Clippers phone call. Like I don't know what the Clippers are gonna want to offer, but I like I I'm skipping I'm ignoring Rob Palinka's call. If <laughs> if, if I if, if I were OKC, you have nothing for me. If you're not giving me AD, you got nothing for me. If I were if I was Sam Presti, I don't think I would make a move. Um, if I were tempted to make a move, if I was Sam Presti, there are two players that come to mind. So one would be Laurie Markinen just to get another shooter, especially a big shooter next to Chet, you know, make the defense think about something, how they going to defend us. Um, and the other name I was thinking about was uh, Wendell Carter from Orlando. He's been injured this year. But the reason I like him is because he brings rebounds because OKC is like 22nd in the league and rebounding. So that's going to be their downfall outside of their youth once we get to the playoffs. So check it out. And this is something that I remember from all the smoke podcasts with DeJounte Murray. Let's put up an article. Spurs interested in bringing back DeJounte Murray. And the wow. first Twitter thing was like some guy named Trey Kirby. I don't know who he is. Just He was like, DeJounte Murray to the Spurs, he hates those guys. <laughs> so that's what I'm saying. I think people just kind of like, they just kind of forget that like, yo, if you go make a trade, no one's gonna make a trade with the Lakers because they have LeBron on the team, and they and no matter how much back. the media wants it to happen, no matter how much people want it to happen, it's not gonna happen. The Lakers had an opportunity, and I talked to you about this two years ago, twenty twenty two. They could have moved AD and gotten some pieces around LeBron because you don't. I don't need a six eleven guy that has to score thirty. If I, I want to play center, if I get three, two or three guys that are six, seven, six, eight, that can play the wing, and I can bring in just because they had the they had the kid Thomas Bryant. I think he was on the team at least last yeah. season. Yeah, because like with the, with the way the game is played, I don't need a dynamic post guy. I don't need what Anthony Davis gives me. If I can get something else, if you are a team like uh, I'm trying to think, like if you're the Knicks and you had Randall, AD, and Brunson, just if if the money worked out to where that's that's how it went, you'd be good to go. Like I can I can live with that because I can tell Julius, listen, just keep working on the jump shot. We got AD down low. I got Brunson handling the ball. I can make that move. Um, if you compare. You know, KD and AD with some role players. Now that's your Beal and Booker. That would work because the thing with the Lakers is that they're relying on AD 
and LeBron, and everyone, they need LeBron to be as effective and young as AD. And he's like, I am not. Right. And that and that's the problem. So I, I would have taken, I would have taken some trade, I would have taken some calls. And I said the same thing last year. That's your only piece. Even LeBron being as great as he is, he is not your trade piece with any team. Right. Not when he's at retirement age. If he was well, joining, I don't know. Miami looking right at Bronny, apparently. Well, that's cool. You can get the other one. You can get the younger <laughs> version. Or you wait a couple of years and you get Bryce. But I'm not making a trade for LeBron now just because, like, best case scenario, even if he plays two more years, he's going to play two more years at 40 and 41. It's it's not it's that's that's not the game. Even like even though I think he's an athletic freak and I, 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 and the, the money he's puts in his yeah, body. Paul George thinks so too. That's why he slid out of the way. You know, <laughs> so it, this is not like an anti-LeBron or I think he's over the hill. It's just factually, he's like he you can't continue to keep up his 2018 expectation. Your 2018 expectation of him with. A guy is in 2024 through 2025, 2026, so you can't make a trade. I can make a trade for AD and hopefully get two good years. Well, if it was a couple years ago when I suggested it, you would probably got three or four. Why isn't Pascal Siakam in Atlanta right now? I'll give you that answer. He was almost in Sacramento. Apparently... The Dallas Mavericks mm-hmm. are now in trade rumors to get second twenty-nine year old versatile wing. Yep, I think exactly what Dallas needs. And I don't want to like bring back to you know the Lakers, but that's the kind of player they could have got if they would have moved AD a couple of years ago. Zach Levine, Zach Levine, like I just, I just I'm just not understanding how AD's from Chicago. Been. I don't understand. You and I had these conversations. We probably had this conversation 12, 18 months ago about moving Levine, moving AD, not signing Zion. Like, what's going on in these in these rooms to the point where it's like well, there I think a lot of like, it. You and I will have a conversation about it. It's like, well, I think a I'm lot of it. Zion because he, he has lower extremity injuries and he eats too much. Well, I think a lot of it boils down to three, four. So, you know, you got two five, which leaves three quarters. Yeah. So, so, so the problem is, is that I think GMs and owners, maybe not owners, but GMs, they care too much about what the public thinks or they care about the reaction or the criticism that's going to come with a move or a decision. So, like, we used to always talk about this uh, with LeBron. These a lot of these franchises have handcuffed themselves, and he had a certain power where if you traded him or tried to trade him, because he had a no trade clause too. But if you tried to trade him, you would be known as the GM that traded LeBron. Yeah, but with that being said, there was success that accompanied his presence. And there was also the devastation after he left. The fallout of after the nuclear bomb was going to be devastating, but the island was still going to be there. You were going to be, you know, surviving for a while. It was, it was definitely going to be destructive in the aftermath. But they're the only, like, the only teams with him did that. 
like I think the Jazz tried it with the Gobert and the Dave, the Donovan Mitchell trade, but it didn't really pan out. Um, Dallas when they went and got Kyrie, everyone was like, "Why?" That didn't seem like it. Didn't, it didn't seem like a move they needed to make. But they just wanted I think a star. They just wanted. They a just star, wanted so a star. It. It's yeah. like you are. You're the NBA. <laughs> you are. It's thirty of you. It's thirty. Well, that's how NBA you. That's franchises. how you end up with Russ instead of Demar Derozan. Like it's thirty NBA <laughs> franchises. It's like, yeah, it's cool to be like. If I'm the 17th rank NBA franchise as a GM, I'm like, bitch, I'm still in the NBA. I'm still, I still got 20,000 people in here for 41 home games. We have these young players. I got this coach as a visionary. Let's go play ball. You, like I said, you only have six to seven teams every year that start the year off as viable. I would say six teams out of viable championship threats, and then one team ascends. This year's Minnesota, maybe you can sprinkle a little bit of OKC. But OKC has been showing you the last couple of years, like, okay, they could be coming. You know, they, they could be on to something. Right. The same way Memphis was showing you, we could be on to something. And then it worked out for them last year. This year right. with the suspension now, the injury doesn't work out. If, the, if I was them, I wouldn't make any moves. But they're the type of team that would make a move. These right. teams that are, like, losing – they're the they're the teams that make the moves, and then when it's time to try to keep your guy, they don't stay. It's like yo, you traded away the other assets we had here. You know, I so heard it, it's just a matter of like I'm not sure like who who motivates whom to get these things done. I heard something, and I don't know how I feel about it because in one vein it makes sense, but then again it doesn't. I heard somebody propose Kyle Kuzma to the Sixers. For for Tobias, and I don't know how I feel about it. I don't know if you give it up. I mean, I would imagine if they got Tobias, they would just buy him out anyway. But, um, but yeah, I just don't know. Like, it just doesn't. Like when I say it, I'm like, yeah, I can see the energy that Kuzma could bring them. But then at the same time, it's like, but I don't know. Kuzma needs the ball a lot too. Like, and Kuzma is a bit like a taller, lighter version of Jordan Poole. Like he's he's not like known for being like a cerebral player. He just right. I think Jordan Clarkson was probably a better player in LA that they probably should have kept because I think he plays a little bit more into the confines of basketball. Yeah, congrats! Got his first triple double last week. Yeah, I just think that Kuzma is one of those guys that just like he just plays because he's tall. He's good, pretty sure he's a level-headed guy, but he just plays because he's tall. Same thing with Jordan Poole. It's like Washington, you're stuck with that because every single time the trade deadline came around, you felt as if you had to make a move. Good teams don't always make moves, right? They make good free agent moves, and then maybe they make a good buyout here, a la what the Celtics did to get. Uh, Blake, oh no, Brooklyn did the buyout to get Blake, and then Boston was like, "Yo, let's let's get this guy and see if he can give us seven and nine minutes a game." Who? Whereas bad teams will trade for Jordan Poole. There was no reason for the Wizards to to get in the bed with Golden State and and trade for Jordan Poole. There's got to be something. Nothing about what he put on film said, "Yo, trade him here." But that's what the bad teams do because they want to be on the marquee. There's got to be a team out there that want to bring Andrew Wiggins off their bench, right? 
Well, I wouldn't want to get in bed with Golden State because it's like they are the more esteemed franchise, whatever GM you're dealing with. But once again, it's like I need this move to be beneficial to me in two years. Is Andrew Wiggins going to be beneficial to you in two years? Just depends on where he goes, I guess. He's still young. And how young is young? Because he was a, supposed to be a number one pick. He did one year. He came in the same year as Embiid, right? When, uh, yeah, they were in school together. Yeah, because Embiid didn't play in the NCAA but tournament. But is he old enough to come off the bench? Was, I mean, he is 28. But is he a come off the bench guy? I don't think he got a choice at this point. So who's making that deal? Is Golden State going to make another team better, another team out west? No, it's going to be some team like Washington. Maybe or Toronto. Orlando. Maybe they could get Siakam. But, to, but Toronto is trying to move off of talented players and start over. I don't think they're trying to bring in guys who've won championships. I think they're trying to bring in guys probably 25 and under. Well, I think that matters if you're talking about a star. Like, yeah, they're not trying to bring in Steph or somebody, but we're talking about Wiggins. He was the fourth yeah, but option. Is, yeah, but is Wiggins, what option is he in Toronto? Still like third. Third, but third starts. Because they got what? They got RJ Barrett now. They got Emmanuel Quickly. Now they got Schroeder. You know, so he can still be fourth. Uh, you know, Boucher. I think that's how you say it. Uh, yeah, that's what I'm saying. So it was like, I'm not sure. And I don't think that's enough if I'm Toronto. Like, I give you up. I give up my twenty-nine-year-old all-star starter to get a twenty-eight-year-old guy that comes off the bench. Wiggins, Wiggins, one of Kaminga or Moody. So and another maybe, guy maybe that comes pick. off the bench. Yeah, and another and another pick that's probably from Serbia that won't be in the league until twenty twenty. <laughs> like that's what I'm saying. So it's like the the, the, the NBA trades. The NBA trades basically just they're just well, Dallas makes the most sense. You're better off like. Trading air in a bag. Actually, Here, I'll give you this bag of air for this bag of air. Like I actually it, liked. Uh, I actually liked Siakam to Sacramento, but Sacramento didn't want to give up Chris Murray, which I understand. You know, but uh, but looking at Dallas, you know, they got what Jaden Hardy, uh, Kleba. You know, um, there's a name that's on the tip of my tongue right now, and I can't think of it right now. Uh, not Hardaway. I see, I see what the rumor said. Let me see. I had it in my note here. Oh, yeah, it was Hardaway. Hardaway, Hardy, Kleba. You know, why not? You keep Grant Williams. Yeah, I'm pretty sure they probably have to because of the, the contract that he signed. Well, there's like a probably, certain He date. probably can't be traded. He probably can't because yeah. like, Grant Williams just signed a contract this all season. So he probably Yeah, can't I think be it's traded. like 60 days. It's 60 days or something like that. So he could be traded. Uh, I think December 15th is usually the date. When you first sign a contract with a team? Yeah. Even or at least or at least that's what it hey, hey, at least that's what it the is end. on 2K. At least that's what it is on 2K. Yeah, it might be uh <laughs> it might be something like if you sign a guy that was already on your team. Maybe. But if you sign a free agent, it's probably it's probably a little bit more probably a little bit more nuanced than that. Uh but yeah, I like I like Siakam to Dallas. I like it if you don't have to give up too much. Um, but they have a, if they have some guys that, you know, say Dallas might not have the trade ammo to pull off such a deal. 
Well, I mean, well, everybody if, likes if these the hell picks. Is it a rumor? Everybody likes these picks from uh, three years later. You know what I mean? Like, remember the Lakers? They were like, we give it up our 2029. 2027 and 2029, like that was the argument they had. It's like, that sounds ridiculous. But if I'm in the room, <laughs> if I'm in the room, like if I'm in the room and I'm with Rob Blink and I'm the associate vice president of player personnel, some title like that, and the phone's on speaker, Brooklyn calls and says, hey, we want to give you Kyrie for Russ, this pick, this pick, and cash. And he's like, let me think about it. He hangs up the phone. If I'm in the room, I'm like, what are we waiting on? Like, oh, I don't want to give up those 20, 27 and 29 picks. I'm like, half the high school basketball players are going into, like, the G League already and going to other professional leagues. It's like, we're not drafting a lot of guys out of college, as is. Most guys are getting foreign players while we holding on. Especially because, like they said, these conversations were with when did he get so he played? So this is the 2022 offseason, correct? Because he for, went for Kyrie, the Kyrie the Lakers trade. Because he played in Brooklyn starting last year and then he got traded to Dallas in the middle of the year. So we're talking about picks from five years and seven years later. Mm-hmm. And they were holding on to him. Yeah. Just to, to keep prepare for that. I got it. And a guy they were, you were trying to get rid of. They're trying to prepare for that post LeBron devastation. And I get it, but in that point, that's when you trade AD. Well, well, that's where that's where you have your two five in the room, and you just say, "Look, man, no bullshit, no cameras. I ain't gonna tell nobody what you said. There ain't no phones in here. <laughs> like, do you think that LeBron and AD can le- win us a championship? Yes or no? If the answer is no, then okay. Can this player? If we add this player, will that make us a contender? Yes. Make the deal. If the answer is no, don't make the deal. And we all understand why. Because as fans, I don't feel that adding Kyrie would have won the Lakers a championship last year. That was there was two seasons ago. So I mean, two seasons ago. I don't I don't think that would have won them a championship. Well, yeah, I guess it would have been the offseason. So he would have started the year last he would have started last year. Yeah. In LA. So LeBron, Kyrie. I still think they beat Denver. I mean, I still think Denver beats them. So like like, but but you got to be honest with yourself. Like, can we win a championship? Like, or is the conference finals good enough? Can we make a conference? Can finals we compete? Run? Because I got to play eighty-two games for all of that. Can right. we? Can we get the fifty wins? Because that's that. I think that's the bench. But then you. But then you add Everyone in Kyrie's injury history. It's only six. It's five of y'all to come into. It's five teams out of thirty that really, with the the player personnel and the coach and culture that they have, are going to vie for the, those final two spots. That's it. That's five. And you'll get maybe one or two more that just surprise you, a la Orlando this year. Houston. OKC. Houston. Like well, Houston, they're still 18, in the play-in. They're 18 yeah. and 17. They're not going to surprise you in the playoff run. OKC in the top five out west. Orlando in the top five in the east. That's Those are your shocks. But your five teams, you already set them up. And when the season started, you knew, like, Boston, Philly, Denver, Milwaukee, Milwaukee, and Miami because of just history. Just just what they do. Yeah. This is what they do. They get to the conference finals somehow and into the NBA finals. And then you sprinkle in OKC and Orlando. 
that's it. That's what you have every year. You have five teams and a couple little couple little extra bodies that sneak in there. So yeah. if you're not one of those bodies, you shouldn't even be thinking about a trade making you a championship <laughs> contender. You should be thinking like, does this trade make us a better basketball team? Right. Because bringing in Siakam extend our defense to where now I can guard Tatum and Jalen Brown at the same time without always having to play zone. All right. Last question for me. All right. And then, and then, uh, you know, uh, you know me, I can't be a GM and I am a, I don't want to call it a panicker, but I get real itchy about, you leaving me and I don't get nothing for you. Correct. You, you know, so like the whole Dame Lillard thing in Portland, how that could have played out, you know, if, if he was closer to his contract year. Yeah, um, but he was he was locked in for right, right, 36 right, right. months, yeah. So this guy is a free agent after next season. Okay. And I have to figure out, is he going to likely re-sign with me? So if I'm the Cleveland Cavaliers, should I consider trading Donovan Mitchell? Yes. I would say yes because he's young. He has the pop. He has the marquee value that you need. He has the talent. He can be – you could put him in any lineup and feel like, okay, we benefited from this trade. Like, say, the Miami? Miami? Like Miami instead of Levine, yeah. I would take him. I would take him over Levine, and you have the added bonus of them dealing with his next contract. Mm-hmm. You get that off of your books. However, these deals and you could do it preemptively because usually where these teams mess up is we when, get to the point when, when the player asks out. Well, yeah, the player asks out, or there's all the rumors that he wants out. Like I don't think we've heard that yet. Like I've heard bits and pieces of people saying that he won't resign there, but, but like he himself hasn't done anything publicly to make you think he doesn't want to be there. So like, I like to do, I will call the team that's desperate because a lot of trade deals are just teams that are just desperate to make a move for the sake of making a move. We talked about that last week. Yeah. I would have called the Knicks up. What you got. And it's, and it's not a knock on the player. It's just, it's a matter of, if you're not going to be in championship contention, why have a guy on my roster that I'm paying 45 to $50 million a year? Right. I can just lower the ticket price and, I'm Cleveland. and get people to come here. So, and I'm yeah. Cleveland. So, like, like, we ain't getting no free agents in here. You're not like, getting free agents unless you, unless you, unless you get the team built. Like, like, it just feels, I feel somewhat bad for NBA franchises simply because the expectations of championships is just that's the biggest expectation that fans have on teams with football. We watched Thursday night football last season and it was awful every week. We'll watch Chicago versus the jets in the rain. I sat in the NFL stadium in the rain in December, watching the Falcons and jet score 21 total points. One touchdown was scored in front of me, and they threw, like, three penalties on another place. So it was, like, three or four flags on another place. So, like, but I sat there, me and a bunch of other fans, the Jet fans, and they're in the midst of their terrible season. We were there, but I'm not sure that 
you're going to get you would get a lot of fans in Brooklyn if they were if their season was the equivalent of terrible as the jet season was this year with their star player getting injured early and not winning and benching guys and getting rid of coaches and the turmoil i'm not sure you sell out those 41 home games yo people say that i don't love my city since i don't want to move back there i sat out in 12 degree weather Watching the Ravens play the Minnesota Vikings, and they ain't even my team. You know what I'm saying? Like, it was literally, I was home on leave when I was a young airman, and it was the first Monday night football game in Baltimore since the Ravens had came back. It was like, I got to be there. But it was 12 degrees. Like, you know what I mean? So, like. I've sat in two rained out games at MetLife Stadium. Like, two games where it rained the whole time. Twice. Yeah. Only time I've seen the Falcons here, it rained both times. Fans will put up with it. Just like, you know, January 29th, the Wizards are coming down here. You know, I was looking on, they got $9 tickets. <laughs> you probably going to be above the scoreboard, but it still counts. No, there was actually, uh, there was some $24 tickets that were still pretty decent, you know, seating. But, you know, but I, but, but I was just saying, like, you know, both of those teams are so bad, it don't even matter if they load manage. Like, you know just what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> show up and eat your $18 popcorn. Yeah, it's just all the same thing. But, chicken strips. But yeah, uh, so I think that uh, I think that Siakam will definitely be moved at some point. Um, I'm not, I know the, the Hawks want and I to think move. the Siakam move is a lot like the the Donovan Mitchell move. I think it's a well, lot Siakam like Siakam is a free agent move. after this year, though. But I'm just saying, like, just getting. Just realizing that, yo, I got to get something for this player. Right, right. We're not, you know, we we had our championship run with Kawhi. So you right. get some assets back, then maybe you make the move. But a lot of a lot of the star players are getting old. So some of these right. young guys are going to step up and be like, yo, I'm, I'm next. But right. they keep leaving all these guys in the G League forever. Like, bring them up. You're not going to have KD, LeBron, Bradley Beal, Donovan Booker. Yeah, Donovan, like, you know, like. If uh, you're Portland, if you're Booker, Portland. Why not? Devin Booker, sorry. Why not? Bring your guys up and let them ball. Let these guys play. Let it be entertaining. Everyone is operating as if they have a real shot. You don't. The reason Denver had a shot because Jamal Murray and Jokic have been together for years and they complement each other perfectly. And Jokic is a unicorn dynamic basketball player. You didn't draft one of those. If you drafted a guy in the last four years, he is not Jokic. Every NBA team should have one or two local guys on their G League affiliate. You know, just to pull them up for a random Sunday in March and have a local spotlight. You know, like just that simple. And who knows? You know, maybe they go off of 15 points or something. Yeah, because like you guys aren't that good. Like most of you, 20 three of the teams in the, the the in the NBA have no shot no shot at making these conference final if i could make a bet a parlay of 25 teams that won't make the Eastern, won't make the conference finals i'll put $1000 on it they'll never set that up because Man, it's y'all obvious. hear that lakers and phoenix suns mr logical said y'all liberty out here yo they're not making it it's just it's just it's not what you you don't have what you need to make it as far as they want to go. Right. 
LeBron would hate, he would hate this podcast if he ever heard it because it seems like I'm always shitting on his team. I'm just realistic. Yeah, you shit on the team, I shit on him. It all like it just I don't know. It just yeah, and just I think way. he's I think he's the greatest. I think he's but, you know greatest player like people have ever seen. I think what he does, what he's done on the basketball court, makes like it's just it's head and shoulders above everyone else. The problem is it for so many years that kind of stuff. It would happen with Kobe as well. Where like that talent was mismanaged. We've seen it with Patrick Mahomes. It's right. like we've seen it with Luca. Your right. talent is being mismanaged by the pieces that they're deliberately put around you, like th- that don't work. It's not like they don't pan out. They just flat out don't fit what you do well for your team. Right. And then it all falls on you. But you know, Whereas but- Jokic, Denver, Denver's team is probably built perfectly around what Jokic does. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. But you know what? Before we get out of here, I just got to say, you know, Draymond, why don't you do it already? (laughs) (laughs) But (laughs) ladies and gentlemen, he is Mr. Lago. I am 2-5. We are Sports Reports is Ordered. Like, subscribe, share, share it with your grandma. Tell your grandma about us. You know what I'm saying? Yo. Play it in your office at work on the office TV. And let us know what we doing right. Let us know what we doing wrong. Y'all got the email address on the screen coming across. You know what I'm saying? Send us some questions. Send us some topics that you want us to talk about. Absolutely. You know what I'm saying? Keep your eyes open. You might see one of us at from one time or another on the hot box as well. You know, so shout True out to Styrofoam Ralph. Shout out to Rajon El Residente. You know what I'm saying? So, yo. We'll be back on Thursday with picks. picks. Yeah. Couple of upsets here and there, maybe. You know what I'm saying? So we'll see what happens. But America. We love you. Yes, sir. Peace. <laughs>